heard of the German metal band Rammstein? Yes. Okay. They sing, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Barbie Girl. Yes, yeah. Right? Classically? Yeah. Rammstein is German (laughs) for aqua. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah. How interesting. No, they did. Uh, they had that one song that was super yeah. popular. Super popular. Ultra popular. Yes, it was uh, Du Hast. Oh, right? Man, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a jam. It is a jam. Um, the other day, I don't know, it was maybe a couple of weeks ago, whatever the case, um, I had my, I was in my car and uh, I was listening to Liquid Metal Channel 40 on Sirius XM. Mm. Hopefully this is sponsored content. I don't know. For the love <laughs> of God, works. give us some fucking money. Um, and there was a song by uh, Rammstein that came on called, uh, to my surprise, it was mm. called Mine, hers, Brent, right? Oh. Uh, and this, I took a, a picture of my screen to, to show you. Wow. This is how it, it shows up, right? So it has my name in there. And it's I'm like, right what? Mm-hmm. How, how did it, how? How have I never heard of this? One, I like metal. Two, this is in my like era of metal, mm-hmm. I feel. And three, it has my damn name in it. Right there. And four, honestly, um, I know a guy from Germany. Uh, yeah. Who we've spoken to multiple times, and he's not told me about this. Wow, Andy, um, what's going on? Yeah, that's okay. Uh, we'll get. We'll talk to him later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he should know every German song and let us know if our names are in them. And honestly, if he doesn't, that's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing it out there too. Yeah, I'm gonna ride that bandwagon. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of room. <laughs> If I so, find out there's a German song with Steven in the title, <laughs> god damn it, I will lose my shit. <laughs> it's like Caribbean or whatever. Uh, I, whatever yeah. it is, it has mm-hmm. my name in it, it's mine. Yeah, exactly. It's like Baby well, Driver. I used that screenshot as a reminder mm-hmm. when I was going back through my, my photos, and I was like, oh yes, I need to listen to the song. So I pulled it up on Apple Music, and I was disturbed to find that uh, the actual titling looks like this, right? So it's mine, hers, Brent, but the mm. the name is lowercase, and also it's spelled B-R-E-N-N-T. Mm-hmm. So there's an extra N in there and lowercase. There's no capital on there. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this is like fucking shots fired? Twice. Like, what? Rammstein, I thought we were cool. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Uh, okay. So then I pulled it up on Genius, to uh, figure out what the hell this is. Well, like, yeah. what, what, what does this mean, right? What's it talking about? So, Genius, for people who don't know, is a, a website slash app you can go to, and it has, like, uh, lyrics on there, but also it has meaning uh, behind the lyrics or interpretations by listeners. Sometimes, if you're lucky enough, it will have the interpretations from the artists themselves. Mm. Um, this has a bunch of uh, German uh, spellings of everything, but if you... Uh, tap or click on the text it will put it in a uh, like a translated uh, from German to English mm-hmm. um, version that you can read so um, on the refrain of the song it says mine hers Brent uh, exclamation point I'm like oh, oh that's like let's talk about stuff you know oh, yeah, has an exclamation like point in there as well it's like well <laughs> maybe we're back on the right track mm-hmm. maybe the on-ramp to friendship is just around the corner Rammstein don't worry We'll get back there to where we need to be. So I, um, I, uh, I tapped on that to, uh, to see what it, what it meant. And, uh, turns out, uh, 
mine hair is brent means my heart burns um oh. and uh this is a, a little bit of a a love song of sorts um so your name is burns uh well it's it's uh yeah burns yes. hibbard c That's, yes i kind of like it yeah yeah can i call so, you bernie uh, only if you vote for me. Can Maybe. I call you Brent and Ernie? Brent. <laughs> Can I put some Burns and Ernie? Spin? Yeah. Yeah. Burns and Burns and Sterney. Nay. New you? band name for you and me, huh? <laughs> there you go. Burns and Sterney. What yeah. Do you think? Uh-huh. People I like, like it. Where'd that come from? I uh-huh. have no idea. Just go with it. Don't even Doesn't worry about it. Doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Just how I like it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can be Burns. You be, uh, Smithers. You know, we can, we can workshop oh. this all day, all damn day. But, uh, yeah. Those are good names. We should make those as characters, like maybe animated characters. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, maybe Burns could be, like, twiddle his fingers sometimes and be like, that's excellent. Oh, yeah. I'm just I like that idea. workshopping stuff, whatever you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could okay. be fun, though. That's cool. And maybe, like, Smithers can, like, start out black, but then we'll be like, I oh, don't know. I don't know about this. We'll did, make him yellow. Did he start out black? Yeah. <laughs> we talked about that before. I don't think so. That's weird. Is yeah. That like, was he black? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Steven, we got to talk about Smithers this. Smithers black? Oh, cancel the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to look this up. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to put in Smithers black to it. Wow. You found it immediately, right? Well, I did, but <laughs> also. <laughs> was yeah. it this? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Season one. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then he, they lightened his character. Wow, that's really weird. Yeah, it seems like an odd choice to unblack someone. Uh huh. But they changed his whole color scheme. Like his tie is different, his shirt's different, his lab coat's different, hair, all of it. Yeah, but black I, with blue hair. Yeah, I don't know if it was like that's oh wild. well, the actor we have voicing him is white, so obviously we can't do that. He he can still do a poo, but for years, for years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's weird, too, because it's one of the the Simpsons is something I avoid the like earliest seasons on generally. I think pretty much the first season, like the the art is kind of a little like uh, jankier. You know, the the voices are a little like it's all just a little rough around the edges. And I feel like they really hit their stride somewhere season two or whatever. Um, So I don't I I don't know that I've seen a lot of those episodes, really. And I don't remember that. That is wild. Mm hmm. Yep. But it's right there Uh, in front of my face. Let's see. Uh, it looks like Smithers went from being black in episode three to uh, yellow in episode four. So it was within the first mm. season. That looks crazy. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. So. Anyway, so Smithers is in Romstein. Romstein. Yeah. He's yeah. Actually, I, you know what? Hold on. Hold Wait. on. Hold please. Wait. <laughs> what did you say the title of that was again? To it translates what into. My heart, my burns. heart burns. Yeah, and Smithers pines for Mister Burns. Hmm. There's a conspiracy. Wow. A conspiracy. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. That was flawless. <laughs> as I'm trying to <laughs> repeatedly type this on my phone here. Um. Let me let me find. There's a one of the guys in Rammstein. Uh. He wears like a lab coat. He looks like a professor of some sort. So wow. He there could you go. be a Smithers. Man, I like this. Um, I like this yeah. theory. He's a, a, a kind of a dork, uh, if I might say so myself. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is is Rammstein metal? Uh, I would say so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is metal? 
What? We're, we're going to talk about that today, aren't we? Like, honestly, like, what even is what that is level? It? You know? Yeah. You know what he's saying? <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you so, can't say we're not recording an episode, so that's good. I guess so. Um, uh-huh. So that Rammstein song playing right now? Is it playing over uh, us? Was it, it playing to start? It It is or was. Yes. We don't even know. I don't even know. It happens in the edit, folks. Everything uh-huh. happens in the edit. We'll find That's out. That's true. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to, to hear that, though. I really know that one song and that duhasht. That was so mm-hmm. fucking rad back in the day. And it's still, mm-hmm. still a banger. Yeah. So got to find out what they're up to, I guess. They're, they're still out there. Yep. Touring, you know. Mm-hmm. Putting out new music. Yeah. Hanging out with Hasselhoff, I assume. I don't know. Uh, listen, again, we don't know what happens in Germany. We haven't heard from from Andy in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things could have gotten crazy there. Is I, Hasselhoff the like, prime minister? I don't even know what's happening. It sounds like, um, based on the Golden Glove movie that we watched, yeah, shit's pretty wild over there. Well, yeah, it actually looked pretty tame, I feel like, for, you know. It's not like I felt like that was, like, totally Germany. I was like, America's really fucked up, too. We're all just weird. No, I think it's just them. So, um, (laughs) people getting hit by buses out of frame, left and right. Well, um, yeah, I guess we can go ahead and just jump into things. So, uh, we're doing it. I'm Steven. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm Burns. And I'm Sterny. (laughs) And welcome to Let's Talk About Stuff. Man, today it's already a little weird, but you know, Mm -hmm. it's fine. We'll get into the groove of it. It happens. I mean, it, 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 yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, do we have any announcements or any housekeeping we wanted to get out of the way first? Yes. The election was stolen. Oh, my God, <laughs> Britt, no. No, 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 no. No, uh, one thing I do want to mention up uh-huh. top here is uh, that we were recently on an episode of The Terror Table, both you and I, both Burns and Sterney Ooh. were on there. And uh, we were on episode, I believe it's going to be 221. And it's likely, according to what I heard from Mitch, uh, that the episode came out yesterday, which is Monday. And we're recording on Sunday, so it's like tomorrow. For oh, it's a, tomorrow's like, yesterday. It's, it's uh, oh, got to uh, carry just, the one. Just look up. The Terror Table, and I'm going to assume it's episode 221 slash 219 of their show. And uh, why are you shaking your head? Don't shake your head at me. It has two numbers. Every episode has two numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, Well, if he comes to Oklahoma, that means he has to visit me to kill me. (laughs) He's going to cancel that plane ticket. Uh, Yeah, I know. It's like, what do I do Um, there? But uh, you and I were on there with uh, both Boozy and Kyle, as well yeah. as uh, Mitch, uh, to discuss the 2007 movie Teeth, mm. and uh, we discussed some other things. But um, for listeners of our show, you know, feel free to check out that episode. But be warned, um, the language got a little bit salty there. Yeah, it's I'm not going to say Mitch's fault. who said what, uh-huh. but... Me neither. Blame Steven. <laughs> uh, it was so much fun, though. Mm-hmm. I like those guys. Yeah, it's a ton of fun talking to them about Teeth as well, a movie mm-hmm. I hadn't seen in a long time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was really interesting to rewatch that now and then uh, and ever get everybody's thoughts about it. So definitely listen to that episode. It was a lot of fun. It's interesting to watch that movie by yourself, you know, like <laughs> instead of in a group where you're yeah, all just laughing at it and stuff. Yeah, because yeah. it's uh, wildly less funny watching it by yourself where you're just like, oh, I don't have like 
any like distracting conversations to mm-hmm. get me through like the harrowing parts of, of this movie where like sexual assault happens or whatever. Because um, I remember back in the day when we watched it at your old house when you lived uh-huh. here in Oklahoma. Um, we were just like chit chatting like throughout the movie or whatever. And, like, and then like, uh-huh. oh, this funny. You got, got teeth up there. That's so funny. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Let's eat some food. Let's yeah, go. No big deal. Let's go pee in your toilet tank. Let's do an upper decker. Let's let's I, upper deck Steven's toilet. I want to be perfectly clear. You never defecated in my toilet in that house. You always use the pool. And I know that for a fact. The pool, pool table. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If uh, if you had a uh, pool table, uh, I think you had like a pulley system set up outside your house. I pooped in that. You pooped um, in my pulley system? I did. And anytime I would uh, go to open a door and it was like a pulling motion, I would I would poop there as well. So I was just like trying to hit all of them, you know? So there's a lot important. of Brent poop in that house. Good mm-hmm. thing we sold it. Yeah. Bye yeah. Bye poop. <laughs> yeah. Hello, It's the neighbors. best way to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get rid of the whole thing. Just scrap it. You know, we had to sell that house. It was titled Don't Mind the Smell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was because of you, you realize. You sold it specifically to some nose and visually blind people. I sold it to you? Yeah. <laughs> I'd just like to wear these Ray Charles sunglasses just to make me feel like everyone else is mm-hmm. dark as well, you know. Makes me feel safe. Oh, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. You have brown glasses? Yes. To make the yeah. world more brown? They're tinted. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never it's seen just, brown glasses, but it well, sounds lovely. The the next time you're here, I'll show them to you. Am I allowed to see the world that way? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, should I, so. I even try harder to see the world that way, right, Brent? I think you should by coming here and putting on these glasses. Just put on the glasses, Steven. Just do it. <laughs> Wait, you're really pushing the glasses, man. I'm not really do sure it. about this anymore. You put on these glasses. Brent. Brent. God damn it. Brent. Yeah. You need to stop with the glasses, man. I'm getting kind of scared. He's not going to do it. I tried to get him to do it. He won't do it. No, I talked to him. I talked to him. I get him. I get him. Anyway, (laughs) unmute my microphone. Okay, there we go. Damn it. That was good. So what have you been up to this week? Oh, um, well, not a whole lot. I haven't been watching a ton of stuff this week. I had to work a lot. But um, I did want to mention that after we had talked about teeth, you know, since we Mm -hmm. were just mentioning that episode uh, with our boys over there, my biggest complaint about that movie was that the music was kind of bad. And that's what makes you think the movie is bad. Like um, it almost sounds like canned music. They just like got on some like CD they bought. It's like a pack. And they were like, Mm -hmm. let's put that on here. Mm-hmm. And it, it just really like threw me off sometimes when I was like, this is actually way better than I expected on these certain parts. And it could have been better with better music. Yeah. Um, so I got uh, I got a little tipsy that night and um, I played around with it. I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe do this as an experiment, a little project for myself. But uh, I, I would put on some Spotify music on my like iPad and then I would put the movie on again. On, I, don't know, I was on Prime on my computer, but I would lower the volume. Right. So I could like try mm-hmm. the music and I tried out some scream, some of the soundtrack, the score from scream. Oh, okay. Uh, with it. And some of the, uh, sound or the score from it follows for that movie as well. Okay. And, uh, let me tell you, they both fucking work, man. And it really, it That's changed awesome. entire scenes. Um, it was so interesting that I ended up watching teeth. Um, I watched maybe, like another like seventy percent of it all over again right after we recorded that <laughs> night. I think, okay. I think it was that night, yeah, or the next day, and it was wild because like 
the tracks I was selecting, sometimes I would start a scene and be like, oh, this like It Follows track might be good for that. And I would start it. And like for some weird reason, like some of the beats would even line up. Like when there was like a stab in the music, like there mm-hmm. was like something that happened crazy on screen. And uh, maybe want to really like mess around with it. So I didn't watch a ton of stuff, but I watched a lot of teeth <laughs> in the last week on accident. <laughs> <laughs> so I do recommend that movie. I want to point that out. Uh, definitely go listen to that podcast. But because um, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun to get our real thoughts on it. But uh, I certainly recommend yeah. it um, with a trigger warning like like Mitch did. Rightly on that episode, you know, top, to kind of yeah. be like, hey, there's a lot of sexual assault and rape stuff in here, but there's also a lot of dicks being chomped off. So if you like that, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a little comeuppance. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was really cool <clears throat> with the different music on there. <clears throat> Excuse me. The dif- uh, different music on there because it really made it like, oh, if this scene wasn't shot with that weird music, it might have actually been a little, you know, might have played a little better. It's kind of interesting. So uh, it can really like change things, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. That's a wild experiment. Like if you had access to like the um, the audio from like the sound effects and stuff, do you think you would go in there and rescore a movie just like for your own like I, private collection? Or I whatever? might try it. Yeah, because I yeah. like fan edits. I, I'm a mm-hmm. fan of um, I haven't seen a whole lot of them because they you have to like torrent them. And I, I really just don't do that. And I don't have that setup and stuff. But I love the idea of like people will go in and add in like deleted scenes back into a movie or like change things around, whatever. And you can do that a little bit like um, sometimes if the file you have is has like five tracks for like the five speakers, Mm -hmm. like the center track is always like dialogue. And then like you can like kind of isolate sometimes like the dialogue and maybe the sound effects and like people on the fan edit boards like literally will go in and like re Foley work all of the sound oh, effects. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And they really get into it. Like anything they can't, if they have to like silence it because of something they're taking out, like music or whatever, mm-hmm. and that was on the same track, they'll be like, well, I'm going to place replace this music. But then essentially you can either find those things around, you know, on YouTube or, you know, actually buy the the assets, whatever. But, um, yeah. or you can make your own bully work and stuff. So yeah, people get really into it. I haven't ever done anything that extensive. I've done like scenes here and there trying different music mm-hmm. for things like this one, uh, where I've actually edited it though. But, um, yeah, it'd be it'd be a lot of work, but it'd be kind of interesting experiment, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like for this one, like I, I literally the whole time I was doing it, I loved it. And I was doing it for me, but I was like, I bet Brent and Mitch would like to watch this. Boozy and Kyle, too, seem to like the movie you know, overall. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I think everybody would kind of at least enjoy this experiment that we talked to. So that's like five people. Fuck, I'll do it. You know, like we'll <laughs> yeah, see right, if yeah. I actually get to it or whatever. But um, yeah, it was, you know, maybe more people out there would be like, find that experiment also interesting, you know, to hear mm-hmm. the sounds like Scream and It Follows as well. They're so iconic. I feel like um, they're so like, you know, exactly what It Follows, like that score is like when I hear it, I think of that movie. But then putting it on this different movie was also kind of like, well, I have emotions for it from It Follows and I have emotions from watching Teeth. Yeah. Can I mash those together? And is it, is it work, you know, um, mm-hmm. or am I thinking about It Follows the whole time? Right. But it yeah. was for me, it was kind of like, oh, no, I'm getting the same vibe because that's actually a kind of a good double feature. Maybe it follows in, in teeth where it's, you know, about kind of like almost like a sexually transmitted disease parable for both, you could say, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of like how it all revolves around sex. So a lot of the same beats are kind of there different ways in the stories. But, you know, where you have like an assault and then you have like scary stuff happening around that and everything like they kind of match each other in weird ways that they mimic each other mirror each other right Mm -hmm. um so yeah some of that really worked and then also like scream it's like you know it's like a lot of it is like sydney's lament is one of them it's like her main thing and and she's like the final girl in that movie and then like teeth she's the final girl but she's also 
the not the villain, but she's also like the the masked person, you know, like mm-hmm. the masked killer or whatever is her. Um, so it, it was interesting playing with those kind of roles, I guess. She's like a a slasher, but yes. she's more she's more like a snatcher. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> yep, take a drink, you mm-hmm. deserve it. Uh-huh. Man, mm. fantastic. Yeah, she's a snatcher. Tastiest sip of water I ever done had. Oh, man, I bet it was delicious. Tell you what. So, yeah, I was doing uh, that uh, a few times this week. I did it earlier today again. I was just, like, playing songs, listening to it, and be like, what would work here a little bit? It's mm-hmm. kind of fun. What'd your in-laws think? Oh, well, I was definitely screening this for the whole family. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, my one-year-old niece as well. Um, obviously, yeah. <laughs> Girls, I can even say I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll take it back. I'll take it back. I'll take it back. <laughs> Look, when you're a baby, when you're when you're a baby, like that's all you want is like people are constantly talking about teeth. When you going to get teeth, you know, all this stuff. It's like, well, they're going to come in at a certain point. She's like, I've heard so much about this teeth. Let me see what Uncle Stephen's working on. And he's doing a thing with something called teeth. What is this? What is this? What is this? Oh, God. Yeah, that'd be bad. Mm -hmm. I'm just watching a a dentist documentary. Go away. You know? (laughs) What time does the movie start? 2.30. Oh, a gynecologist's favorite time (laughs) in that movie. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, gross. It's the worst Raphael I've ever seen in my life. I know, man. Trench coats. That's okay. Yeah. That made sense. Not this way, though. Yeah. Yeah. Him not being a giant humanoid turtle really pulled me out of the movie. One of them was just in the movie. What if she just went to a gynecologist and it's fucking Raphael? He's like got a, another job, a daytime job. Full turtle. But, but you're like too polite. You're like, I think this guy's a fucking giant humanoid turtle. He's going to be looking at my sniz. Should I say something? Like there's not even. I feel like I should say something, but I don't want to be rude. I mean, I don't want to call him out. I don't. Maybe he's got like gang green all over <laughs> himself. Weird. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to. If he does, I don't want to say anything about it. Mm-mm. No, It'd be weird. Yeah, man. Just picture it though. Yeah. <laughs> Let me bring the light closer. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he's like, I lost a sigh. <laughs> what? What'd you do in there? You ready to get it out? Oh, man. Get some salad tongs or something. Um, so <laughs> for me, I've actually got some stuff from, from last week I wanted to oh, mention. Yeah. However, I know we've got a, an album to discuss, and uh, there are two things that happened this week that I experienced that I want to talk about uh, briefly. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of them is on Friday of this week, there was a new single from my favorite band, Slipknot, that came out. Oh. And this is... A mere week after Biscuit's new record, so I'm like, oh, wow. shit. This is really, the, uh, the life is coming up, Brent. Mm-hmm. And only that, like, just some light music. That I like. like, everything else is terrible in my life. It just, it's all, it's, it's all bad. It's all really bad. But mm. um, anyway, the slip song came out. Uh, and feel good, thanks. Yeah, it was, okay. <laughs> it was, it was, it was better. Um, but I listened to it, and it is a lot uh, more aggressive than some mm. of their stuff on the uh that uh, the sixth album that came out like a couple years back that i was kind of just like so so on mm-hmm. um but that said uh the song was just okay Aww. like i feel like my my best year's with slipknot is in the past at this point but i do like 
a lot of songs on like three or four of those albums. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, e- even if that's all I got from them, that's okay. You know, yeah. um, I'll have uh, uh, Old Town Road uh, to keep me company uh, until something else comes along yeah you, you could say that you could say mm-hmm. that um i i do feel though that, like there's something to be said about i don't exp- I, I would love for my favorite bands to stay together but yeah. i also feel like there's a peak and yeah you know they can keep going and stuff but it's more like i'd rather see them be able to keep doing a career you know in a band that i like and stuff but i never really mm-hmm. expect them to like hit the highs of like a, a second or third album that i really like loved in a certain era Yep. You know, like with Airborne, my favorite band, they, I love, I love their new stuff that they come out with, but I do have like different albums. I'm like, well, this was like the peak, like clearly mm-hmm. everything yeah. on this was good. So I think it's okay, you know, to kind of let it be like, they're never going to hit those highs again, but it, anything they put out, it's kind of fun. And if they put something great out, that's even better, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the new Slipknot song is called the Chapel Town Rag, and it has something to do with, like, some, like, story from ye olden times where there's, like, a serial killer in, like, I don't know, London or one of those bullshit countries we annexed ourselves <laughs> from a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, any, any town where they had tea and we could just throw that shit in the Hell fucking yeah. ocean, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, man, you know what? You bring this tea over here, our fish are going to drink it. If you... Because we're gonna throw it in the dang old harbor. Yeah. Uh huh. You you best not even try. I one time invited an actor from Stranger Things over to my house because I had all this extra tea. I'm gonna dump all this tea in David Harbor. That's how serious <laughs> I am. <laughs> I was thinking like Finn Wolfhard. I was like, what's he bringing? What's he coming over to bring to drink tea for? Hell no, man. He's a dang old werewolf <laughs> with a name like that. Um, werewolf. I would love for you to meet him and just constantly call him Wolfhard. Yeah. Like, is it full moon? Like, <laughs> why I'm watching no, you, buddy. Why are there no lights in this building? <laughs> why, are we, why are we doing this interview in a casino? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, the, the song is about, like, um, I don't know, like, uh, media portrayals and, like, social media versus, like, actual media and how there's, like, mm. an echo chamber back and forth between the two and all this stuff, and I'm like, Okay, I guess like I don't know like um, it just I, I just didn't didn't quite hit. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. Uh, I, I would still look forward to listening to any other new music they put out. Um, yeah. and I think maybe they had worked on some like during uh, the pandemic and whatnot. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes from mm-hmm. there. Uh, outside of that, also on Friday, there was a movie that came out, Stephen, from 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 Merv Griffin. Merv Griffin Griffins. presents <laughs> Jeopardy the movie. <laughs> what happens when that. Jeopardy fights Will of Fortune? Oh wow, I would totally watch that. The answers the form of a question. Um, <laughs> you're like I'm sorry. You know what I would see a fight of the Wheel mm-hmm. of Fortune wheel versus the Price is Right wheel. Oh, see you that's got better. Horizontal that's better. versus vertical. Mm-hmm. But you got spinning action from both. This is true. This could be really interesting, you know. Yeah, so they, we we needed you in the writers' room because <laughs> this, we're like way too far into this at this point, you know. Yeah, we're forearm deep into this, uh-oh, and uh, uh-oh. yeah, we're just we've we've overcommitted. Yeah, underperforming like, to overcommit. I have twenty more minutes of bits for this one thing, so we're gonna yeah. we're gonna strap uh, it and go for you're it. You're just gonna have to deal with it, okay? <laughs> 
Uh, no, a new movie from Marvel Studios called Eternals. I thought it was the Eternals, but uh, uh, no it's the, not. Right? It's yeah. not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Eternals. And uh, Eternals. I went to go see, Got it. see that with uh, my friend Ross and then oh. both of our wives uh, last night. And um, hmm, I wasn't that big on Shang-Chi, as I was telling mm-hmm. you, uh, whenever they, that came out. And uh, I was like, man, I don't know how this is going to go. I really don't even know if the story is to this movie. Seems like there's an overabundance of characters and concepts they are introducing mm. in this film. And I don't know how they're going to pull it off. And I am still trying to figure out if I like the movie or not. Interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm like, uh, I liked it, didn't necessarily love it. Um, I'm not super familiar with these characters from the comics anyway. Mm-hmm. But I I feel like a lot of people weren't familiar with, like, the X-Men either mm-hmm. when they were, like, first introduced in the movie. However, there were considerably less X-Men characters you had to glom onto, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, like, it was just like, oh, these were people that just gained powers at puberty. They're mutations or whatever. Simple. They kind of set that up. This is, like, there's a whole backstory of, like, aliens and outer space, like, cosmic shit. And my brain just starts to, like, tune out of that stuff uh-huh. just because that's... Just how my brain is. I, d- I don't do cosmic sci-fi well. It's hard for me to grasp onto those concepts mm-hmm. and hold on to it. Um, however, I do think that um, some of the, the character arcs and story beats they have in the movie are interesting. I just don't think they work the way they are arranged in this film necessarily. But I think Jimma Chan is uh, uh, really interesting to watch. Look, beautiful woman, mm-hmm. but like... She's got like a she's like the main character that we're following. Um, okay. And she's our, our through line, essentially. Um, but some of the ideas like she's got a, a she's an eternal. She's like been around forever. Um, and she has this human boyfriend played by some actor from Game of Thorns, a mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. you and I don't watch. Uh, and um, once he finds out that she's this like alien being, he's just like, oh, OK. Like there's <laughs> there's like no major revelation or whatever. He's good and to go. Yeah, it was uh it it was a little bit bizarre. You seem like it seems like he would have some type of reaction or whatever. Whatever the case, uh, so the like alien we don't have time to go into a reaction because we have so we many have characters. ten main characters in <laughs> yeah. this movie. You gotta move to, on, buddy. <laughs> you gotta get through them all. Yeah. You're just gonna have to go with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the alien like creature designs in the movie, I mm-hmm. thought are like slightly better than some designs you would see in a DC movie. Um, Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. Um, But I thought that like directing itself looked good. Um, Chloe Zhao, I believe Mm -hmm. directed this one. And I thought the the directing looked fine. Um, But yeah, it was just like, it was, it's a lot, man. It's a lot of shit. Um, There's some like, uh, some like, kind of twists along the way or mm-hmm. whatever but um i don't know if they necessarily stuck the landing on those twists mm. uh, i won't say much further um until we like uh watch the movie and discuss it on the episode <laughs> totally or whatever, yeah but yeah um yeah i do i do know that there's like an after credit scene like marvel what? usually does Are they did still you not stay brand of course i did yeah i know yes um to the and hate and and <laughs> anger of both of our wives yes ross and i both <laughs> stayed for that i Okay, I guess I'm going to step back for a second because I'm not sure exactly what they're doing with this 
new phase four and they have a lot more tv shows that i have watched but then some of the movies i haven't watched because i still haven't seen shang chi so i don't Mm -hmm. know in those movies in this one and that one what they've set up or what the after credit sequences have set up but where do you feel without spoilers about those i guess of of how they're setting this up like you weren't a huge fan of either of these movies um are you still down for like what comes next are you still excited about the mcu or you know how you feel about it I am. Um, so the next thing is the new Spider-Man movie, right? Yeah. It comes out at the end of this year. Uh, I think around, uh, is it December? I think. I think it's, yeah. I think that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that just because like, I, I like Spider-Man. what they've set up with that character yeah. so far. It's my favorite fictional character. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the rumors surrounding it, it sounds like it's going to be like wild and interesting yeah. at the very least, right? Um, but yeah i part of me wonders if much like you know slipknot maybe my Mm. version of the marvel cinematic universe that i enjoy is phases one through three yeah and even if that's the case that's a hell of a run and a hell of an ending to it right (laughs) right yeah Yeah, yeah, so a lot of incredible like performances in there Mm -hmm. um i felt like storylines nailed the the landing of endgame you know Mm -hmm. um so all in all, that's not bad, I don't think. Um, and it seems like people really fucking enjoyed Shang Chi. I just, yeah, I, I just, just wasn't me necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, once it comes out on Disney Plus, which I think is happening like this Friday for Disney Plus Day. Yeah, I was excited. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to wait uh, very long. Yeah. Yeah. So that will be out, and maybe I'll rewatch it, and mm-hmm. maybe I'll now that I know what the tone is and, and what it is, you know, maybe I'll it'll sit with me a little bit better. Totally. Um, uh. That said, I think Eternals is interesting. I look forward to having this conversation with people about like what worked, what didn't, Mm -hmm. Um, because there's certain parts of it where like since I've seen it, I've thought about it. I'm like, man, I really like this aspect of it. But then there's this other part that was like they could have like done this a little bit better. I don't know. I don't know how that works or whatever. Yeah. Uh, If they they gave the director like uh, a shitload of like. Uh, freedom with it or maybe mm-hmm. not enough or i don't i don't know um for me though like personally i i thought like the costume designs were a little lackluster it's based on uh characters created by jack kirby who mm-hmm. created captain america and and uh thor and uh ant-man all these like marvel characters right and um there were a lot of his design elements that were incorporated in thor ragnarok that i was mm. hoping would bleed over into this because gotcha. it's like so iconic um but uh that was not the case and i thought well maybe we'll get maybe that's the end is they get new costumes or whatever mm-hmm. which is something that would only satisfy like me and ross <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh yeah i thought that that would uh be the case that was not um that said as like you watch the movie and like see them in their costumes or whatever um it it works a little bit better for me. Mm-hmm. Not not perfect or ideal for what I was looking for, but uh, a lot of the performances by, uh, like I said, uh, Jimmy Chan was really good. Brian Tyree Henry oh, uh, yeah. is in the movie, whom I, I absolutely adore. Uh, and uh, Kamel Nanjiani yes. is yes. in it. Yes, I was going to ask about him. I love that yeah. dude. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he it's got fucking like, ripped for this. I know. Just, people are confusing me for him all the time now. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, guys. Yeah, he got ripped. They, yeah, like, oh, I was like, like finally, he matches my <laughs> what I look like, you know. Looks like Bernsey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I, I do have to say, like, I don't know why Angelina Jolie is in this movie. Like, I did wonder about that. She's not my favorite. She... I like what... 
hmm. I like parts of what she did in the movie, mm-hmm. but like, th- I thought she was gonna be in it more because she's, uh, she's so big, a huge actress, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, she was just not. Um, Although I don't really know, I don't know the last time I've heard of her being in a movie. I haven't. I don't know the last time I saw her in a movie. She's just mm-hmm. such a big, per you know, name, and then she's mm-hmm. you know was married to someone that had a big name and all that kind of stuff. And so, are they still married? I don't know what's going on with them. I don't follow John that stuff. Voight. No, that's her dad. He was in Anaconda. Oh, a great mm-hmm. movie though, man. Yeah, and what a great accent choice in that, you know. So she does come from a, a nice lineage. That's true. You mentioned that <laughs> yeah. uh, for this one, but uh, uh-huh. I'm I, I'm excited to see this a little bit. But I was never really that excited to see Eternals anyway. That for some mm-hmm. reason I was just I'm so excited to see Spider Man. So much more excited, yeah. especially. But same, yeah. This one and like I'm really excited to see Last Night in Soho way more than I am to see Eternals. You know, yeah. There are mm-hmm. other things, and it just never really like the trailers never really grabbed me. I just wasn't sure that I was really gonna it was gonna sell me either. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious for this one. And then Shang-Chi when I finally watched them to see what I think. Um, but I was going to bring up that I had seen the other day, someone on Twitter or Reddit, just kind of throw away, had just said they wished that, or they kind of wished that after Endgame, Marvel just like fucked off for a few years just to like, mm-hmm. just to be like, hey, look at the fuck we just did and we're going to come back. And it would be kind of a nice breather and let other things kind of happen. Mm-hmm. And they've really just gone even more. Like we have all the TV shows now and it's just like, there's so much more they're packing in. And I'm not sure mm-hmm. that I've been on board with like, I don't know that I need all of this, I guess, you know, and I've, I've liked some of it a whole lot, like WandaVision. Yeah. But, um, I also kind of like how it ended with Endgame, And I could have, I, I think I could have used a few years to be like really pine for more. Mm-hmm. And instead, it feels like, well, we just have so much and I'm not even sold on all of it like I was before. So it's almost like they're having a rebuild. I mean, they are rebuilding, right? Like a whole new team and stuff. And like, yeah, going back to the roots a little bit that way. And, and I'm not sure that it's really grabbing me as much as like Iron Man did way back in the day, you know? Yeah. And between uh, the Eternals and uh, I'm sorry, Eternals and Shang-Chi, um, you know, it's new IP that they're introducing into this yeah. universe of all these other characters and whatnot. And um it's i feel like marvel with like uh you know phase one they had to introduce some characters or whatever but they they got to the avengers within like a few years and and Mm -hmm. people kind of got to see so i felt like that built up some trust where they're like okay so now everyone knows our whole thing we're going to introduce all these other characters or whatever um and i feel like they're trying to do the same thing but that it's just not like clicking i guess not with me anyway yeah uh if it's clicking for other people then fine you know keep doing what you're you're doing of course Mm -hmm. but like um i don't know for for me it just didn't didn't click now to answer the question you asked me 14 minutes ago about the end credit stuff um uh yeah it was interesting like there's uh uh, there's two of them. There's a mid-credit scene and a post-credit scene. Mid-credit scene uh, was interesting, but it's something that like people who read the comics might pick up on. Or if mm. you're like, you know, this whole thing is new to you, um, it's something where you can like go through and research later. One of those yeah. things. Um, and then at the very end, uh, there's like a hmm. A I, my I, 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 advertisement. I, wow. Finally. <laughs> finally. <laughs> Okay. They're calling out the truth. Look, you know what? Like I was saying earlier, this election was stolen. You know? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no, no, no. So uh, there's... Uh, I, I saw online before I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't look at the spoilers, but I saw that there was a, uh, an appearance of a, a major MCU like debut or whatever. Oh, yeah, and yeah. it's yeah. like... 
But then I was like, no. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I don't want to say too much. Totally. Like it, like it could be, but you don't get it. Like, mm. I don't know. Hypothetically, let's say you hear a voice and that's it. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's like, that's, you know, is, like, that okay. a, is that a cameo? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the word word up? Is that a cameo? Yeah, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm intrigued by that. You mm-hmm. know, we'll see. As it comes out, I am excited, like I said, to see Shang-Chi, you know, that's coming out to, to Disney Plus and stuff. So, yeah, didn't take mm-hmm. too long. Um, I just don't it, I don't feel necessarily really uncomfortable to go to the theater. I just don't really want to, um, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I wondered about your experience. Was there a lot of people there? Was it mm-hmm. uh, good in general? We, we went midday. Uh, mm-hmm. We went to like a four o'clock showing and <laughs> As I was sitting there, um, the, the theater was like maybe a uh, little bit less than half full or whatever. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like midday on a Saturday um, after a pandemic. So, you know, I get it. It's fine. It's fine. Don't hurt my feelings. Yeah. I mm-hmm. don't work for AMC. It's fine. I don't wow. make money off of them. Okay. God damn it. Yeah. Settle Even down. I, I put in their suggestion box. I was mm-hmm. like, give me the money that you make. And yeah, like, yeah. They, Still haven't done respond. it. They're jerks, man. It's AMC. They're just. They just left me unread. It's like it's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, uh, so um, yeah, there were some uh, some people there. Uh, but as I was like watching the movie, there were people. Uh, I had like a, a seat spacing me away mm-hmm. from like this dad and his kids or whatever, and he and his kids were very loudly like eating during like, during the movie. And it's like okay, they're they're kids. I'm gonna give them some leeway on mm-hmm. this, but. How much fucking food do you have? How do you have this much food that you're eating this loudly throughout the entire thing? Like, is that a turkey like, leg? What the fuck, man? Get out of here. This isn't the Renaissance Festival. Yeah. Is that a shawarma car you just oh, brought in here? Where do you get utensils? How did you get them through this? But uh, And then he would like loudly talk to his kid, like in a conversational tone. Not like he's yelling, but like, you know, just yeah, conversationally yeah. speaking about how we are now uh, to his kids about like what they just are or whatever. It's oh, just they, like, what, why? Yeah. I don't miss this part of the theater yeah. at all. You know, that's the thing. I'm like, I don't I just don't mm. need it. I don't know. No, don't no. need it right now. I just rather you wait really don't. at home. It's been so nice, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, cool. It'll man. find its way to you, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it's meant to be, yeah. it'll find its way on a on a streaming service that I that I buy. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> well, um, did you want to? Is there anything else? Did you want to jump into the music? Yeah, we can just jump into the music. The main topic today: plop, sclerch. Oh. <laughs> we just shit ourselves down onto this. Wonderful. Um. So yeah. We are in the throes oh. of Noisy November, and the main topic today, as you can see from the episode titling, it's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah. I don't know what the full title is, but it's in there. Metallica by Metallica, a.k.a. The Black Album. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look up The Black Album, if you like type that into like, uh, um, Spotify or Apple Music or whatever like music service... It's going to pull up probably like the Jay-Z album that's literally called The Black Album. Oh, I didn't know which that. Which is also a fantastic album. Mm-hmm. But uh, this one is, uh, th- it's actually self-titled, but they just refer to it as, like the Easy. fans refer to it as The Black Album. And that's how it's just like coquely known. Mm-hmm. 
you know. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so let's let's talk about this. This album is celebrating its thirtieth anniversary. Came out in nineteen ninety one. Wow. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So this is the fifth studio album by Metallica. Uh, there were five singles released. This album has gone 16 times platinum. <laughs> I read that. That's crazy. Wild, Holy right? Shit. That means it's sold over 16 million units in the United States. And then it's certified, like, hitting all these other, like, benchmarks in all these right. other countries. I don't know what they are. I'm American. I don't give a fuck. I don't <laughs> care. What is this one? France? <laughs> Never heard of it. Do you have three? Throw in the Hobbit. I don't even want to <laughs> fuck with it. Throw your own tea in the Hobbit. I thought you, I thought at first you said throw in the Hobbit, and I was like, "What's this bit?" <laughs> you see a fucking Smeagol, you throw a tea back at him. Y'all want you to fucking tea back Smeagol? Wait, is that the show title? <laughs> Yeah, and it, it said like it had been on like all these different pop charts, or not pop charts, had all these different charts like Billboard 200 or whatever for like mm-hmm. 500 weeks. Yes. Like it's just, uh, it's like number one on all these crazy things. It's been there forever. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I saw on that in December 2019, it became the fourth release in American history to reach the 550 week milestone on the Billboard 200. That's crazy. Which is insane. Um, and it's not like consecutive, but it's just like charted. It, it pops mm-hmm. up every once in a while, um, especially around like anniversary years or whatever. Um, so yeah. yeah, a little over 10 years worth of being on the Billboard 200. Um, let's see what else here. According to an article that I read on Billboard.com from August of 2016, uh, the Black Album has never sold fewer than 1,000 copies Per week since its release in 1991. Wow. And that's up through 2016. I don't have any figures after that, but like I said, uh, especially leading up through um, an uh, anniversary year, mm-hmm. it usually like bumps up a bit because there's some publicity around that. Like in that August 2016 article I read, it said at that time it was selling about 5,000 copies per week. Wow, that's crazy. Which is insane. Um, this album has no explicit lyrics. Uh, some previous Metallica what? albums and some since have explicit lyrics um and then uh the making of this album is explored in a 1992 documentary a year and a half in the life of metallica uh and i used to own this on dvd oh yeah but uh it uh, got stolen a long time ago ross uh, he's back at it <laughs> you shouldn't be friends with that guy anymore if he's still in your black album uh, documentaries he's just so nice but he's, he's just, so nice. He's so nice, you know. I mean, he steals your he, shit. <laughs> he's nice. His wife is nice. They steal all my stuff, you know. Which is funny because the only thing I know between the two of you is that uh, your wife stole a blanket from him. So really, it goes mm-hmm. the other way. Mm-hmm. He's even nicer with that. Let her keep it, you know. Yeah, I know. He's like, oh, that's cool. You can have it. Whatever. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyways, like the the whole documentary, uh, you you know, bite on whatever, uh, uh, like iTunes or Google Play or whatever. But uh, you can actually watch the whole thing for free on YouTube. Oh. And it's close to four hours long. Damn. Yeah. Steven. You watched this I watched this documentary. Wow. Not only did I watch this documentary, I watched... The outtakes for this documentary Damn. that total checks notes over two hours long. <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude! Yeah, I did a fucking deep dive on this shit. No kidding, man. Uh, in addition to all of that stuff we just said, this year 
Metallica released the Metallica Blacklist, mm. which features 53 tracks by a wide variety of musicians reinterpreting songs from this album. Uh, sometimes they're covers, sometimes they're like remixes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are artists from all over the world and all over, uh, like all sorts of different like musical crazy. styles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I did listen uh, to those. Did, did you go through all of them? I yeah, not like I listened to every song, but like I I gave them all a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you kind of like but, yeah, s- skip through them or whatever. A lot of the remixes and stuff. I was like, mm-hmm. nope, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty pretty fast. But there are some interesting interpretations uh, of the songs and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's interesting to hear other people's like how they hear it and interpret it and yes. uh, kind of like parried it back in their own musical style yeah. or whatever, you like know, the parrots uh, were good. Yeah. I like their version. Yeah. It was like, what? I think I was drunk. Oh, that's just a guy. Okay. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> whatever. He saved school. Um, but uh, the personnel for this this album uh, is uh, James Hetfield, who's the uh, uh, who does vocals and guitar. Lars Ulrich, who uh, uh, does drums, percussion, and Susan Apster. Uh, Kirk Hammett is the lead guitar, and Jason Newstead is the bass player on this. And this album is the first album that they worked with with producer Bob Rock, who uh, was a, a sea change of production. Mm-hmm. For this band, um, and they, I, when I was going back through and doing my research on this, um, Bob Rock, uh, like I said, this is the first album he did with them, and I had heard that people say that Metallica changed their style because they were working with him, and he had previously worked mm-hmm. with like Bon Jovi. He did a, a Motley Crue album as well, and yeah, 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 um, yeah. talked about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. That's not necessarily the case um, from what I've read and, and heard. Um, oh, by the way, there's something called the Metallica podcast that is actually like hmm. uh, authorized by them. It has like the band members on the, the podcast. It's like nine episodes long. Hmm. I uh, looked that up this morning. It didn't occur to me until this morning. It's like, oh, I bet there's like some like uh, some dorks like us that mm-hmm. like have yeah. this or whatever. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, this is like an official thing. I saw there are nine episodes so I listened to all nine episodes <laughs> today. <laughs> and a lot of the stuff, yeah. luckily, confirmed some of the stuff that I there have written down from my notes. So I'm like, okay, I got this right. Yeah, yeah. Um, official facts lot, here. Yeah, because a lot of it's like me like comparing notes on Genius versus Wikipedia. Right. I'm like, mm, this seems right to me. Okay, we'll yeah. go with it. <laughs> I'll put this in my phone. Sure. Um, but actually... Now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, James Hetfield was talking about how uh, whenever they go at, at the time, like before they recorded the Black Album, they had just recorded this album called And Justice for All. And it ha- has like these songs that approach like 10 minutes long and they're very like progressive and um, have a lot of like tempo changes and all mm. this stuff. And whenever they would go play these these shows, and at that time, they had finally got to the point in their careers where they were starting to play arenas. They were playing like 10 songs and they were done just because their songs were so long right. at that point. They were like, oh, well, I would like to play some more songs, but all these songs we ran are ultra longs. Yeah. yeah. So their plan was to approach this new album, which would become the Black Album, as writing shorter songs and uh, with less like tempo changes and mm-hmm. all that stuff now Stephen, when i say write shorter songs 
you could probably tell by the runtime of most of these songs, they're like in the five to six yeah, minute right. range. That's shorter to them. We know yeah. most like radio songs are like uh, anywhere from like two and a half to four minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, that that three, three and a half minute area is kind of like the sweet spot for most songs that are going to make it to radio. Um, but yeah, that was kind of their their mindset for approaching the music right differently on. this time. And also when they were recording this, they decided to track the drums with all the band playing together in a a large room so that uh, everything was played live mm-hmm. um, and uh, they could track the drums that way. Then they would go through and overdub the guitars, bass, and vocals after the fact or whatever. But it uh, made things have more of a cohesive feel when they were playing from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. which is why you and I don't. Uh, record podcasts in the same room very often. I mean, it's like, why that's would not we? for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You matter think, of fact, yeah. Matter of fact, we record these parts separately. Uh-huh. And we send them back and forth. Listen and I'm back like, to okay, them okay, try now to you, joke. Mm-hmm. Now you try to say something, and then I'll respond to that. It, it's a lot of back and forth. We should just record at the same time. It takes like a full week to even record. That's why we don't edit very much. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Stephen. Um, so. <laughs> Had you ever heard this album before? I had never heard this album in full. Um, okay. I, I had heard of the like main, like the singles that were released. I think I'd heard all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know this album. And so it was interesting to me because this is not really my type of music, you know? Um, right. I do, like, I, I have respect for Metallica and their fans and stuff. They seem, from what I've heard, they seem like pretty cool dudes also. Yeah. Like they have like a... I was reading something briefly. I have like a foundation because the that new album with all the cover songs on it, like they said, like yeah. all the proceeds go to their foundation and stuff. Like they seem like they have, you know, you know, like they seem like they're cool and and people like their stuff. It's just not really for me. Um, but it was really interesting to to listen to. I listened to this album twice fully, um, the last time right before the show, and I tried to read a bunch of the Wikipedia stuff and kind of. Uh, I was gonna watch a lot more music videos of these. I, I'm sure I've seen them over time, but. It was uh, it was an interesting experience for me, um, and I have some questions for you again about you know metal and stuff and what qualifies as what because I was telling you before the show I think that I'd read about them and they were like yeah like their sh- their songs got shorter they got um, less complicated and then they were like yeah and they used to be like thrash metal and this this album was kind of a transition to like a new style and I was like I don't even know what that means um, <laughs> right. so I'm curious your history with Metallica or this album in particular. And then um, I might have some some metal questions in there as well. So, sure. Um, real quick on the uh, the Metallica blacklist, uh, like you said, yeah. they, they're donating the the proceeds to charity. The cool thing about them is they are f- essentially funding that project themselves. You know, um, and doing whatever they can to like help the artists uh, if they wanted stems from the album to. Uh, to be able to remix or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they would send those out to them and just kind of like outreach or reaching out to like different artists yeah, to cool. coordinate all this stuff or whatever. They were doing this essentially on their dime. Um, and so half of the proceeds for each of the songs is going toward uh, Metallica's All Within My Hands Foundation, which mm-hmm. is like for um, uh, enriched the lives of uh, members of the little Metallica community there. Um, and it's uh, cross-section of national and local charities um Hmm. so yeah that's their portion and then the other 50 percent of the proceeds are going to the artist who uh did the like cover or remix or whatever whatever charity they choose so either way 
Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was really cool and like decent. Mm -hmm. um, like you were saying, they seem like fairly like down to earth like guys, yeah. right? They just they're just happy to make music or whatever, um, and you know make money at it. Of course, yeah, but, of course, yeah, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as like my, my history with Metallica, like the very first song I heard by Metallica was Inner Sandman, mm -hmm. and I remember like I have an aunt who's five years older than me, and I remember going over to her house one summer and she was like babysitting me and she had a Nintendo and she had like uh fucking like awesome music that she was listening yeah. to. And I remember when Metallica started playing on the radio, I was like, what is this? Like, yeah. it was just so like so much heavier than like what was on the radio outside. Mm -hmm. of, you know, it was like, like I said, Bon Jovi and uh, Motley Crue and like Warrant and stuff like that was on the radio, but it didn't have like that deep bite that, this album has sonically mm -hmm. and i was just like holy shit well i didn't i was very little when this yeah. came out so i did not say holy shit but holy shit. You know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, i was like nine or ten when this came out um maybe eight possibly eight eight or nine <laughs> gotta get it right anyway people need to those stats and check yeah, it's very important <laughs> If you have a quarterback wristband of Brent stats, uh -huh. oh yeah, get that shit updated. First of all, my name means Burns in Germany. <laughs> yeah, now we know. Secondly, eight or nine by the time the Black Album came out. But um, outside of that, like I didn't uh, like my history for Metallica was essentially like the Black Album up through um, Reload or whatever. It was like in that more like hard rocky uh, aesthetic of Metallica mm -hmm. versus their earlier stuff, which. Uh, I'm familiar with somewhat, but I'm not super familiar with like the thrashier uh, side of things. Mm -hmm. gotcha. uh, Master of Puppets, you know, I, I know and like. Um, uh, God, my brain just like <laughs> left my body. Well, that one—that's the one. That song—that's the one you're telling me that was an old school. That right? yeah, uh, for whom the bell tolls. Um, mm. One is a Metallica classic as well. Um, so I, I'm familiar with some of the like older hits or whatever, but mm -hmm. not some of the the deep cut thrashier songs. Um, and then like their their newest stuff, I just have not been able to get into yeah. for whatever reason. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just like you know, they have I'm, their peak I'm an too. old man. I'm setting my ways at this right. point. Like I kind of <laughs> know what I like, and then I move on to something else or whatever. But um, yeah, like I, I bought this album when I was in, uh, I was like 17 or so, mm, 16, 17. So oh, wait, no, no, no. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe it's uh, 14 to 15. Maybe it's before I can drop. Um, on but, on uh, cassette tape? No, I actually had the CD for Sweet. this. I know, I know. Um, and I remember uh, we were uh, away on a school field trip and I had like, somebody brought their stereo and I brought the CD. Oh, man. We, we were just like being loud ass dickheads <laughs> just bumping this this album with the with the hotel door open oh, i can't yeah. imagine fucking doing that now it would just mm -hmm. you walk past no. that now and be like fucking kids right? i'd be like, my own ass <laughs> for doing that i can't Im imagine uh why i would thought that was okay that's funny. but uh but yeah there, there's some very like uh uh kind of like poppy slash aggressive songs on this album mm -hmm. that that works uh it, for a surprisingly wide variety mm. of musical tastes, mm -hmm. I think, you know? Um, yeah, they were talking but, about it on the line, like uh, on the Wikipedia article and some other stuff I read about um, how this was like their first, like it like brought them into mainstream success and it, it changed right. them from like being heroes in the like thrash metal world into like actual rock stars. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I can totally see that. Like, yeah. 
I don't remember them before this. I don't really remember this album coming out. I didn't buy it or anything like that. But growing up, they were like Metallica. Like like everybody fucking knew who Metallica was. Yeah. Whether you mm-hmm. liked it or not, it was around everywhere, you know. Right. And, and to think of mm-hmm. them not that way is almost hard for me to think about. Um, mm-hmm. Before I, you know, I was too young when this came out to, to have known about them really either way. But yeah, other people, it's like, oh, they just always exist in my head. They've always existed as these huge rock stars, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I remember the band got a lot of flack at the time for this coming out because it was so like, quote unquote, radio friendly, even though it was still like very aggressive. But it was mm-hmm. like slower than uh, yeah. a lot of their older stuff. Um, but it was more like uh, trudging and brutal as mm-hmm. well, I think. Um, but it's interesting. Know, like bands are going to change over time, you know, bands like your band. Banders are going to ban. Mm-hmm. You can't say they're not. And yeah. if you try, you're going to get sued. You're going to get banned. That's right. B-A-N-N-E-D. Thanks for spelling. Couldn't do it. <laughs> two ends. I'm familiar with that concept now. Didn't realize you could have two of them in a row. But what? thanks to Germany, now I know. There you go. Now I know. And knowing's half the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to talk about the, the songs on this album? Yeah. Number well, one. Ask, ask the answer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I okay. Let's start with uh, obviously we'll just go uh, track by track here. We'll go from uh, one to twelve. Okay. Uh, I'll go through the, the twelve tracks. Uh, some of these songs I've got more notes on than others, but we'll we'll go mm. through them. Of course, how can we not start with Inner Sandman, the first track on this album? And I'm just gonna put this out there. I know this is basic as fuck, but this is my absolute favorite song on this album. This, right on. This song, I do not get tired of it. Mm. Now, if I were like put in a dungeon and forced to listen to this song, you know, 24-7, yeah, of course I'm going to get tired of it. It's just, you know, that's the nature of, of having so much repetition. But when I listen to the song, like, every now and then, it's fucking great. Always great. I, yeah, yeah. I, I've been listening to this album a lot this yeah. past week in, in preparation <laughs> for this, this record. Uh-huh. And when we were leaving to go to my wife's run this morning, this song came on satellite radio, and I cranked it up still. It just you know, I heard the song... On? It just happened to come wow, on. Wow, that's cool. And I was like, I was like nodding my head along. Yeah. It's like, hell yeah, this is like some <laughs> get fucking pumped running yeah. music. Um, You're like, oh man, I haven't heard this in two days. Fuck yes. <laughs> it's like two days or two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the thing I love about this song is it has such an incredible like build up to it. Mm-hmm. And by the time you get to that like that opening riff where like everyone comes in. You're like, fuck yeah, man. You're swinging bodies in the pit. You're picking up people by their hair, swinging them around, you know? Is that right? I don't think that's... That's... Steven, you gotta get hair. You're gonna get picked (laughs) up in a pit. (laughs) You're gonna get twirled around. I like to be swung around by the tits, you know? Oh, okay. So... Oh, yeah, you want to go to their, like, thrashier uh, pits then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although, Mm -hmm. I feel kind of bad talking about this right now, because you heard about that Travis Scott concert. I did hear about it. Yeah, it was bad news bears, man. Oh, boy. People died. It was bad. Ooh. Yeah. So then uh, I, I saw this this article, or not article, I saw this tweet, uh, storm, whatever, thread from some, some dude who was like, back in the day when we were moshing, it was like, it wasn't meant to actually hurt people. It's meant to get out on motions and aggressions and stuff and a safe mm-hmm. manner around other people that are also doing the same. And if you're a mm-hmm. dickhead, you'd get beaten the fuck up, you know? Yeah. It's, and now uh, it's like taking this weird connotation, so... It's a little uh, self-policing society down exactly, there in the pit. Yeah, yeah. and it usually mm-hmm. works uh, or did. 
Yeah, then this yeah. is all this is all just so fucked up. I was surprised. I was talking to a coworker about this on Saturday, uh, and she was like, "Did you hear about the people in the Travis Scott mosh pit?" I was like, "Travis Scott has a mosh pit." <laughs> What's he? <laughs> what? Whatever I read about it, I was like, "Travis Scott, Travis Scott, Travis Scott, Travis Scott." I, I've heard his name. I literally <laughs> could not tell you what kind of music he does. That's so wild because he's like from Houston, right? Yeah. Has, that's where the festival takes place, right? Yeah, the Astro World, I think is what it's, yeah. they called it. Yeah. Um, There's also uh, years ago, a few years ago, I learned from a bunch of people that I worked with that are all Houstonians, and I'd never heard of uh, chopped and screwed music. Oh yeah, right? where it's all like mm-hmm. really slowed down. Mm-hmm. And I, they were like, "Yeah, this is this was like huge for a while," and like it was mm-hmm. all from Houston. I literally had never heard anything of it before. Before yeah. they were all talking about it. And they were like, this was like a huge international thing, whatever, like sweeps sweep the world for a little while. And I was like, no fucking clue. Yeah, I think it was like in between like 2007 and 2010. Yeah. Somewhere in there that was kind of like the sweet spot for that. Yeah. You, there's not really a whole lot of that anymore. Yeah, it was just like an era. But um, and some like there was like one Did, song they played I liked, what? but most of it not so much. I hope they didn't shame you over that because that that was... <laughs> That's not a, a, a huge thing anymore. You should have been like, yeah, well, do you know about dubstep? Because it's pretty much the same fucking thing. F- flash in the pan, and then it's it gone. It was just weird, because they were, like, really proud Houstonians, you know, that it like started there, whatever. And I was like, I've never fucking heard of this. Uh, much like I just don't pay attention to a lot of local things here, I guess, that are really cool yeah. in Houston. Um, yeah. I mean, we almost won the World Series. You know, I, I don't know. The Braves might not say we almost won. I, I just, I, it was on everywhere. Everybody was talking about it. I was just like, I have no idea. I have no, no, <laughs> no dog in this fight. Don't care one way or the other, you know, but it was like <laughs> a huge Houston thing, obviously. Really? So, I have no idea. Yeah, they- <laughs> I did, I have not even thought about baseball in forever. <laughs> they just lost in game six the other day. And, uh, and it was, are a they still playing where, baseball? Well, they were. Oh yeah, but not anymore. Well, see, well, the Braves won. And it's all good. Yeah, but like mm-hmm. I was like, I literally just don't. I don't care. I don't follow sports. I. That's cool. You know, like they won. Uh, Houston won the World Series like in 2017. Don't care. I don't. Know. <laughs> that wasn't like a big <laughs> yeah. deal for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, you think that's important? I'm starting a podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. all to say, yeah. Travis Scott being from Houston didn't really. I, I was like, I've heard his name. I feel like he's a really mm-hmm. big person. But like, there's so many people out there that I have no idea, yeah, know, who they are or, or what the music is. So we're old now. Like, we're just supposed well, to keep track of everything. I, I don't have am. time for that. Remember when I, we were we were talking with you and Amanda, and you were both like, "Oh, there's this person. I don't remember her name." Did some song and I was like, I've never heard that. And you played it and I was like, Oh, I guess so. And like a week later, I was like, I've never heard of her. And you were like, We just talked about her. And I was like, I, didn't, I, I don't listen to the radio. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't listen to radio. I don't listen to my friends. Yeah, I, don't I don't listen to my wife. To I just. There's <laughs> uh, a lot of pressure. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot to keep track anyway. of, you know? Mm-hmm. Metallica. Um, uh, yeah, Inner Sandman. Uh, so the main riff was written by Kirk Hammett, who's the lead guitarist for the band. Uh, and this was actually the first song written musically uh, for this album. And it was the last song to get lyrics. Do you know what the the, the lyrics to the song are about? I read a little bit about it, but I'm, yeah, I, tried to, I also tried to go through and look at some of the genius lyrics for these. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't getting a whole lot of, it, of what I thought the songs were about anyway. So I just listened to them eventually. So, yeah, I'm curious of any info you have about that. So this song is it's supposed to follow a theme of childhood fear in nightmares with the titular Sandman symbolizing the sleep that the child 
dreads, mm-hmm. right? And which is like a fairly spooky concept, but the <laughs> the original the original theme uh like for the the song that like the the lyrics that James Hetfield had written mm-hmm. um uh, was about crib death and they were oh. like well um <laughs> oh god so we musically i feel like we got something special here <laughs> so maybe we maybe, tone it maybe back take a, take, maybe take a second lap around that uh, wow around that lyric uh, speedway there and um see what else you can do and, and he was like oh boy this is like the first time because like in the the previous producers they worked with it was essentially like metallica writing the songs and establishing the creative direction for those songs mm-hmm. and then the producer was more like an engineer of like yeah. okay we'll record this we'll uh, double track the vocals here you know da, da 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 they weren't really involved in the actual songwriting process yeah so when james was told oh no you need to take another swing at these vocals he was like oh shit Okay, I didn't realize. <laughs> and the uh, the podcast I was listening to, he said that he doesn't have a good ear for what other people think might be a hit. So oh, he just approaches every song as just like, oh, this is just a song I'm writing, mm-hmm. right? So they told him this is going to be like, this song is going to be like special. It's, it's, mm-hmm. There's something about it that's special. So do it again. And he was like, oh, shit. Not only did my first version of this not work, and not only do I have to write this again, but I have to like really like put a lot of effort and mm-hmm. like make this good i gotta like really batten down the hatches and focus and uh make this catchy and make the the lyrics um iconic yeah, essentially yeah, yeah. which is a shitload of pressure and it I, is, I can't yeah. imagine having to like do that because i don't do that on this show <laughs> i'm not about to do that you know it is but it also kind of speaks to his genius in a little bit that he didn't even realize the specialness of what he was doing or what they were doing, you know, and he was still coming up with things. And then like, if you could just tweak this a little bit and put a little more effort in, um, it could be even like better, you know? And he he did that clearly because it's the song, you know, still rocks and still stands the test Mm -hmm. of time. So that's interesting that it's, he's kind of like, I didn't even know what's going to be a hit, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, like we discussed, like they're they're very like down to earth type of dudes. If you hear interviews with them, um, but I feel like they approach the music from a very like blue collar approach mm-hmm. as well. Like, sure, you know we're professional musicians, and at this point in their careers, they've made a shitload of money off that. But it seems like still they're like going into the studio and trying to write the best songs they can, of course. But like, it's not like I don't know. It's just like a, a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, toward that and sometimes having somebody that you trust be there and be like uh maybe you should try this again um nobody wants to hear your fucking song about dead babies dude right. like <laughs> yeah it's a little no. much man <laughs> take another swing at this yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but uh yeah uh, do you have anything else to say about inner sandman yeah so i had minimal notes about everything and i'm glad that you have so much like trivia and information about it which is great um so i'll just kind of throw in some here and there but for this one i my notes were literally just i was like i mean it's a classic obviously like Mm -hmm. it's one that i knew really well uh it's like the first single from this i guess and and just a big single from them as well um and then i said even though i've never really known many of the words like this is one that i looked up (laughs) this song (laughs) feels endlessly sing-alongable like 
Yeah. Uh, and I, I ended up being right on most of what I thought it was. But um, to me, that's some of this mu- type of music. Like, it's hard for me to catch the lyrics or or think that I really understand it. And some of their songs in this album, especially, are, like, slower. That's easy or whatever. But yeah. um, there's parts where I was like, I think I know what I'm singing along to it. But it's just so... Like there's something about it that is just so good to listen to. And it's been in my head, like even though I don't like a lot of this music in general, that song, once I listened to it, I was like, oh, yeah, I like that song. And then like like where I'm walking around anywhere now at work or whatever, I'm like, oh, I'm just like seeing that song in the back of my head, you know, mm-hmm. it just kind of sticks there. So uh, definitely like this one. Yeah. The thing I like about the main riff is that it sounds like you could sing the band's name to it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like. Metallica, right? Yeah, it's right it there. works. Yeah, you should be that's on that album. You, that's how you know it's yeah. going to be a classic song. Yeah. You know, if we can get somebody <laughs> to make a hit song where you can sing, let's talk about stuff. Oh to man, it, we're in. Oh wow, we're in. I'm already thinking about it, but I don't want to mess it up right now. We'll, we'll circle back to that for sure, though. If you could reach out to famous Houstonian Beyonce Knowles. Uh, and have her whip something up for you real quick. Mm-hmm. That you know, that'd be great. Beyonce Z. Beyonce Z. Mm-hmm. Is that how I look her up at the phone book? <laughs> yeah, good. Do you think she'll Flip answer all the way to the back? <laughs> he really made Z, it hard on everybody. Z, Z, he used Z, to be in the yeah. middle. Yeah, it's fucking tough now. I'll look her up. Anna. I'll look her up. I'll see if I can get a hold of her people. <laughs> see if my people can get a hold of her people. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll come up with something grand. You know. A lot of back and forth. We can have her, yeah. you know, do a guest appearance, you know, if she wants on the whatever. show if she wants to. No Speaking of guest appearance, Stephen, one final note on Inner Sandman yeah, please. is on the podcast I listen to, the Metallica podcast. By the way, co-produced by Amazon. I'm like, fucking Jeff Bezos. God damn everything. it. This is a good podcast, but God damn it. I'm going to need you associated with this. Get out of here. Go back into space. Um, but the, the vocals, this is like the first time this has been like revealed, I guess. Hmm. Uh, according to like the podcast or whatever, but the uh, child vocals mm. on the song yeah, yeah, yeah. when they're doing like the Lord's Prayer, uh, that is Mick Rock, who is Bob Rock, the producer. Oh. Uh, that's his son. Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So it, he he has a son named Rock as well. I was wondering if he named himself his last name Rock or if he had that and he was like, I can either be a geologist or I can go into <laughs> producing music. Yeah. And he chose music wisely. Uh-huh. You know, for at least producing this amazing album. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's a kid with a rock. That's pretty cool. Well, speaking of a kid with a rock, that brings us to our second song, which is Sad But True, which is the fifth single mm. from this album. Um, the reason I say that is uh, this song was sampled by human trash rat Kid Rock for oh, his song American Badass. And, oh, uh, interesting. Uh-huh. Because I didn't, and, and by sampled, uh-huh. I mean it's essentially he just like uses the the music for this and raps over it. Can I can I listen to that real quick? Yeah, I gotta I gotta hear this a little bit to see if I know that. Because when I listened to this, when I listened to that song, this was the one single that I didn't really know. Um, I think all the other there's like five off of this album. Uh, that was the f- other four I knew, but this one I wasn't sure of. Um, and it didn't really sound like some of the guitar sounded familiar to me, but the rest of the song didn't. I think was was my note. Mm-hmm. about it um so maybe i do know it from like kid rock unfortunately um, yeah but yeah so that's interesting what's it called the kid rock one i, I have it right here do you want me to oh, play please. it okay so it's yeah yeah that's i probably know from that 
Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. How interesting. Yeah, so it's just him rapping over the riff. There's like a, a breakdown part from them. That's crazy. Uh, you know, it's Metallica. They're they're cool. Like in, in yeah. Kid Rock, didn't we didn't know he was such a, a looming, mm. heaping pile of shit at the time. <laughs> we have since learned that. You know, yeah. uh, I feel like the goodwill of Cheryl Crow um, doing I that know. collaboration with him. Uh, maybe some people aren't aware, but yeah, he is a, a true uh, shit pile of a person. Um, but listen, that election, can we talk about that? Oh my God. I think people don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, the fact that people don't know about it is sad but true, Stephen. Oh, hey. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, the, uh, the lyrics on this are interpreted as an allusion to addiction. And uh, according to Genius... This, this was wild. I had no idea about this. I've never even heard of this, hmm. but you tell me. I had to make this note. So according to Genius, the, um, the song was influenced by the 1978 horror film Magic starring Anthony Hopkins. Oh. Uh-huh. The song is styled as a monologue justifying the existence of the speaker's darker side, which in the movie <laughs> is symbolized by a foul-mouthed ventriloquist uh-huh. dummy. Yeah. Have you have you heard of this movie? I definitely heard of it. I've never seen it. Um, yeah, okay. it's a young young Anthony Hopkins, and mm-hmm. he has like a ventriloquist dummy. Um, I hear about it through you know. So I, I don't think they mentioned it very much in the uh, the documentaries we were watching on Shutter and stuff like in, in Search for Darkness. I don't remember that necessarily on there, but it's like I've heard about it in that kind of thing, right? It's like one of those uh, in horror circles that people are like, oh, this movie's fucked up. You should see it. But uh, that's curious to me about the song now, though. Yeah. Well. Uh, In Search of Darkness is just about 80s movies, right? This one is oh, from so 78. Yeah, yeah, so they probably skip yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I had no idea. And then I saw this, like, goopy-ass picture <laughs> on, <laughs> on the Just Watch app, where it's, like, him holding a, a mannequin. I've seen or, uh, not a mannequin, a dummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it, it looks, it's one of those that I've, I've wanted to, to watch uh, as well because my, my nephew, Christian, who's so into horror, he loves yeah. he loves dummies. He has like ventriloquist dummies and stuff, and he loves it because of R.L. Stein and uh, the like, Goosebumps books about um, Mr. Slappy, who's like the dummy that comes alive and kills everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've wondered, like, <laughs> I thought like years ago when he was still like ten or eleven, I was like, oh, he should probably watch this movie Magic. It's probably gonna scare the shit out of him, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've never actually seen it. So, do you think the name of Slappy? From the the Goosebumps, the Goosebumps character was inspired by the movie Carrie, where everyone slaps every young woman constantly in that yeah, movie. Yeah, that's a connection people don't really realize, but yeah, I think that's a, an homage. Okay, to, to Carrie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why also um, in the Goosebumps books, um, everybody gets their period. <laughs> you know, everyone, everyone. boys, <laughs> girls, the, the whole spectrum, everyone gets it. <laughs> Hey, Johnny, did you get your period yet? <laughs> no. Well, you're about to. Plug it up. Plug it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you, bleed, you bleed from your, your crotch, puss, or you bleed from your nose. You take your pick. Yeah, this one was uh, pretty heavy-handed, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Speaking of heavy, Stephen, this is, uh, well, sad but true, uh, is one of the heavier songs on mm-hmm. this album. Um, do you, what are your thoughts on this song? Uh, I didn't dig it a whole lot. I, the first time I listened to it, my music, my, my note was that I liked the music at first, um, but I wasn't sure about his singing with it. And mm-hmm. I know one of these songs in the research I read, they said it was going to be like an instrumental because the album before it had one. I can't mm-hmm. remember if it was this song or not, but I... Uh, no, it's it's one toward the end of the, okay. the album. Mm-hmm. Listening to it again before the episode here, I, I liked the song a little bit more. And there was a few of them I listened to and I was like, you know, if this was just like instrumental, I think I would have liked, you know, X song more. Um, and I'm not sure why. It's not like I don't like his voice or, or some of the lyrics or whatever. Just sometimes I'm like, I, I kind of dug what they were doing here, but then... They throw a lot of weird, tur- to, to me, some weird turns in music where I'm like, oh, I expect it to go this way. And then they go like a completely different way. And I mm. and it always kind of threw me off. And like they do, they have so many, to me, it's like there's so many of the different parts to the song, choruses and bridges and then uh, solos and stuff. And they do like multiple solos. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. It, it just feels like it's all just kind of like placed together almost okay. when I listen to it. Mm-hmm. And this song, I feel like felt that way a little bit to me. That some of the turns were like different than I expected, so it wasn't my favorite. Okay, yeah. interesting. See, I I hear the song all the time, like this mm. inner Sandman, like essentially the five singles that are on this album. I hear on rock radio all the time, mm. like this in constant rotation. So I'm used to it. Gotcha. But yes, like going through and listening to these songs. Uh, after researching them mm-hmm. has put new perspective and it made me listen to things differently. But yeah, I, I see where you're coming from because yeah, these songs, this is, uh, I believe the song is about six minutes long mm-hmm. to begin with. Yep. Um, plus they're like, uh, yeah, you go through first chorus, verse chorus, you get to a part of a guitar solo. Then you go to a third verse, go to a chorus yeah. then you get to <laughs> yeah. an extended solo. And then you go to another couple of choruses or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, Kind of repetitious, but also it's it's mm-hmm. um, somewhat atypical of a uh, a hit uh, yeah. radio single. Right on. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, let's move on to track three, which is called Holier Than Thou, uh, which has been noted by singer James Hetfield as being one of the sillier songs on the album. And honestly, I was cragging up all through the song. <laughs> it's so funny. Would we call it silly? It's, so, it's silly. <laughs> Um, but uh, but yeah, the song deals with the uh, lyrically it deals with the issue of a self righteous person. And um, producer Bob Rock initially suggested this song be the first song on the album uh, to be a single. Um, at that point, there were no lyrics written for for the for the song. Yeah. Um, or the 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 album uh, in the whole. Um, and the band teases him about it uh, every time they see him. So having this be the lead single instead of uh, Inner Sandman is is wild, especially since this was never a single yeah. that was released to begin with, right? It's like once they so. went with what they did, they were like, oh, that's totally in love, wrong, like, <laughs> wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, I read some of that too, how they were, he wanted that, and then like, I think it said, they said Lars was the one that really wanted Inner Sandman to be like the first single or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Much interesting, more. yeah, how that, those conversations will happen and like how this now is like, oh, it's everything they did was genius. But it's all like decisions at the time, you know. Yeah. And they and mm-hmm. someone's making this stuff, and like it, it's either gonna hit or it's not. And like the way yeah. you release those singles is going to affect that, you know, like what people get from the album and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this one wasn't one of my favorites. That's my note. I was like, it's okay. I didn't love it, um, but mm-hmm. I like some of the guitar stuff. I really liked in it. Uh, again, yeah. it's like more like the music, unless if like it t- took the lyrics out, maybe I'd be like, oh, I like, like, like this. Um, yeah. 
but it's I would never have liked this for like their main single and it never even was a single so yeah yeah wild I, I hear this on the radio every once in a while they play it as like um, sometimes they do like a two for Tuesday of uh, uh, play of this where they pair this with like the Unforgiven or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll have that on there. I'm um, just playing some like deeper cuts from uh, a given album. Gotcha. But um, yeah, I mean, I like generally speaking, I I like this song. I don't know that I uh, it's like a selling point for me mm-hmm. on on this album. Uh, I, I feel like for me, like you got me with the first single. You got me with yeah. Inner Sandman. Like everything else is just like gravy at that point. Right on, yeah. You know. Um, Which is again so, why it's so weird that they would make this a single like that could have opened right. it. And like, <laughs> I'm not gonna buy that album, but you would yeah. buy the album because of Anderson yeah. Man, right? Like, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, let's move on to the next song, which is uh, track four, "The Unforgiven." Uh, this is the second single released from this album. Um, obviously, uh, there's a, a different, like, slower, more somber tone to "The Unforgiven" versus mm-hmm. the previous single, "Inner Sandman." Uh, what do you think about this song, Steven? This seems like it's it might be more uh, to your taste. Yeah, absolutely. And I knew this song as well. Uh, that's when I first noticed. I was like, oh, this one definitely. Like, and I thought even the titles, like "Inner Sandman," um, I couldn't have told you the the licks, like the guitar licks of that, that I know so well, like most people do. Um, but once I heard them, I was like, oh yeah, I know this song. I know this song. I know this song. This is what right. I recognized the title of, but I wouldn't have been able to like sing it for you. And then once it came on, I was like, oh yeah, this song is great. Um, yeah. So yeah, I definitely like that. Um, I also thought it was funny because <laughs> one of my notes was it was uh, slower and more epic, and it made me think of like deserts and wind, and it made me okay. think of like a western. And sure. I think it's funny because this came out in 91, right? Uh-huh. And the movie Unforgiven, the critically acclaimed Clint Eastwood movie Unforgiven, came out in 92. So you might think my head would go there, but I was like, this would have been really great in Young Guns too, man. I could have right. watched this in Young Guns <laughs> with Billy Estevez just walking around the Unforgiven. So that's where my head goes. And you were like, oh, wait, I'm being silly. <laughs> yeah. Tombstone. Yeah. That's what it should be on. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, super, I love this song. Um, I probably like, I, I think I like Inner Sandman, and the, it's just so, like, famous and iconic a mm-hmm. little bit, um, but I think I prefer, like, The Unforgiven over that one, personally. Yeah, I feel like, uh, even though I like Inner Sandman more, I feel like The Unforgiven is a more dynamic song. Mm. Um, real quick, as you were talking about the, the movie The Unforgiven, I saw a note there, I, I did not, like, look into this, but I wanted to mention this, uh-huh. especially since you just brought it up. Um, I saw a note that said that the horn at the beginning of the film, The Unforgiven, is the the same horn sound that's at the beginning of this song, but it's reversed for legal reasons. Oh, that's but interesting. Which is weird, especially if it's like this album came out in 91, meaning they were working on it like in 1990. Mm-hmm. The Unforgiven movie didn't come out till 92, you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I think the internet is a fucking liar, Listen, dude. Listen, the internet never lies, man. You got to believe everything on it as long as it like, know. you know, perpetuates your your thoughts that you already have. Hey, man, I'm starting to, I'm starting to think maybe this election wasn't <laughs> stolen after all. <laughs> What in the damn ass what? hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, but as far as like the dynamics of the song, um, uh, like musically, it features heavy verses and a softer, more melodic chorus, uh, which is something that they kind of uh, experimented with on 
uh, earlier albums, but it was like mm-hmm. the other way. So like you would have uh, soft verses and then like a heavier chorus. So this was uh, yeah. a flip of di- that dynamic they've done in the past. Um, lyrically, the song is about the struggles within religion that James Hetfield faced in relation to his mother's death. And I didn't really know all of this stuff. Like I, I'm, I'm familiar with the band Metallica as far as like their music and like some of their like you know, the whole shit with Lars and Napster and mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the the movie that came out, some kind of monster where they oh, yeah, like yeah. the band was breaking down and, you know, all that stuff. They hired a therapist, all that stuff. Um, but I didn't realize, like, any of the, like, family stuff that was going on. Um, like, his, his mother passing, his, uh, his family didn't want to uh, give his mother medical treatment uh, that she needed mm. when she was going through cancer and uh, the thought being that you know since they're Christian scientists that God would heal her and that that wasn't so that was reflected in the song mm. or the, the lyrics of this song um, which is uh, kind of weird uh, yeah. equally weird I would say is <laughs> I saw this I was like wow this is wild uh, James Hetfield's vocal delivery was inspired by Chris Isaac's Wicked Game I'm trying to remember it both of those now <laughs> and try to, try to make that work <laughs> huh. so um a lot of the uh this like softer songs that metallic would perform um before the black album he wouldn't like deepen his voice and sing with just one track they always like double tracked his vocals mm. just to make it more uh i think they said epic or whatever mm-hmm. but also if you have to double track your vocals that means you have to sing it the same way twice which could be difficult if like you're trying to capture like a specific moment yeah, or yeah. whatever, you know. So, um, yeah, he was just like experimenting with that. Are you? You're. Uh, let me play Wicked Game for you real quick, mm-hmm. uh, because like after I heard that, I was like, "Wow, that's weird." And then I was like, "But I kind of <laughs> yeah. see it. I can kind of see, see what they're saying. Yeah, you know, it kind of makes sense. Let's see." I actually really like this song. Let me get to the vocals here. Strange world design make foolish people. Let me just listen to this. I mean, I kind of feel a little sexy. Oh. Oh, Steven's cut the nipples out of a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with my safety scissors. Right, that's right. Took a while. Yeah. yeah. I got to free those nips. That's right. You cover them with your circles of paper that you've got. But um, yeah, I like. I kind of hear it now. Like it's like kind of yeah, sung in a lower register, and then uh, more like kind of back of the throat. Just like uh, I don't know. I, I I I get the comparison. I could see how like how maybe James Hetfield got there. You know. Yeah. What do, I also really just love uh, what I call like pop culture context. Uh, thinking back on when things were made and being like pop culture context. <laughs> <laughs> how they were influenced by stuff and it's like oh yeah that was like right around the same time but I would never ever have talked about Chris Isaac and Metallica mm-hmm. in the same sentence same conversation right I would never have, have thought that but then it's like oh well that makes sense like if he's trying to do something new with this album you know they're going through some transition period or whatever of different types of music and this new producer yeah. has more of a say in that and then they, they hear this other thing and they're like oh that's kind of what we're going for in this song like that's so interesting to me to think about how that uh, the context around them would also influence them as artists as it always does, you know. Around this time, or after the album came out, or came out, they uh, played the um, the the benefit for uh, uh, Freddie Mercury. He had like mm. recently passed, and there was a benefit they played for him. Uh, and 
they were there and they said like uh, like behind the scenes it was like a clusterfuck it was just like oh, yeah. people on top of people like back there because they brought in so many mm. like artists to like perform at that concert or whatever so it was just like chaos behind the scenes but like you know the performance went on and, and yeah, yeah. it was universally like applauded but they said that they were backstage and they were like seeing all these famous people and it didn't like matter like what genre of music somebody mm. was in or whatever like it was just like oh this is a famous person who's also a musician and they they seem to be equally excited to be there and right. all this stuff and they were like should we go say hi to Liza Minnelli or like what's that? like <laughs> that's what, what, what can we do to like about you know but it's like i i feel like that's very much a a fan thing to begin with like especially when we as fans are younger we might glom onto a certain musical genre or style mm-hmm. or even a particular band versus another band or something like that yeah and we're like oh this is the preferred way you know if you're not in sync and you fucking if you fucking like backstreet boys you can get fucked <laughs> you piece of shit <laughs> see you in hell like that's it's like wife. those lines are, are so, yeah <laughs> well, I know. she likes both i guess that's for her well she's she's mainly in it but in she's sync. mainly right well, yeah, so yeah, she would cut a bitch. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 100. She cut me. She's not yeah. even thinking about it. But, um, <laughs> uh, but like, we draw those lines in the sand ourselves. It's not really, like, the artists who are necessarily coming up with that. You know, surely there are, are uh, things that bleed out into the, the tabloids and whatnot about this artist doesn't get along with this one or there's beefs or whatever. But on the whole, I feel like it's very much a fan-generated thing to uh, draw the line in, mm-hmm. in various yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sands, right? But for for these you know musicians that are getting to do this this is their their art this is the the thing they're making lots of money at doing and they're they're having a good time doing it like yeah what's the benefit of drawing a line in the sand you know like uh like if you're if you're beyonce the aforementioned houstonian beyonce Knowles. you know i don't want to sorry she's got a last name Beyonce Nolsey. Uh Nolsey sounds like you know it's like some medicine. You can't sleep, take some Nolsey. But like there's no reason why she couldn't like uh you know go up to a fucking Ozzy Osbourne and be like, oh, yeah. hey, you know, we should do a song or something like that together. Like uh Lady Gaga and uh performing with Metallica. She also mm-hmm. did what like a couple albums with Tony Bennett yeah, right. or whatever. Like, who cares? It's just like Music is music. Well, right? like anybody, they're, I would imagine that they're fans of not just their own genre. They're going to be not right. only influenced by other things, but they're going to like other things. So there's mm-hmm. there's no reason to think that, yeah, they wouldn't yeah. actually be fans of Liza Minnelli or something, right? Exactly. Totally and happen. as evidenced by the Metallica Blacklist, like this, yeah, oh, totally. uh, you know, this album, the Black Album touched people of all stripes, yeah. right? So, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, music for everyone. Everybody, everybody get Settle up, down. To get along, yeah. little Loki. God damn it. <laughs> Um, but on uh, the Unforgiven, let's see. I think I've got uh, one final note here, which is this song was so immensely popular that it spawned not just one but two sequel songs: uh, the Unforgiven Two from the album Reload wow. and the Unforgiven Three from the album Death Magnetic. So, just in case you thought there were unanswered questions, you know, don't worry. I, I questions, questions are answered and then also answered again. <laughs> I have, wait, I have more questions though. Do they sound the same with new lyrics with some remix to it or is it totally new songs? Uh, I, I'm not super familiar with the Unforgiven three. Uh-huh. I'm still like trying to process the Unforgiven two. There's like so much character depth and uh-huh. I'm like, is fucking Doc Brown in this as well? Yeah. You're like, trying to figure out the timeline of it. Is the third one a Western? Because <laughs> I go into 2015 in the sequel. Um, but The Unforgiven 2 sounds similar. Like a good companion. I think they flipped the, the dynamic on that one to where it's like, um, 
the quieter verses and then a more uh, intense chorus. And then I think mm-hmm. they went back to the original dynamic for Unforgiven 3, maybe. But they, they do sound similar. So if mm-hmm. like, let's say you were listening to the three songs in a row and you heard the first, the original Unforgiven, and then you heard the second one, you'd be like, I feel like they're just like copying themselves a That's little what bit. I wonder, and then you yeah. heard the third one, yeah. you'd be like, are they, is this just what they do? <laughs> is, it, is this all their songs sound like now? They're like, hey, we have a hit. Let's just do this forever. Let's keep it. Like they sound. <laughs> yeah, they sound like sonically similar enough, and there's some like shared lyrics between the mm-hmm. uh, the three versions of of uh, the Unforgiven. But I'm gonna uh, look that yeah, up. that's cool. Mm-hmm. That, that yeah, sounds so. interesting to me, at least uh, as an experiment or whatever. Um, and I like that song mm-hmm. so much that I'm like, that would that'd be good. And plus, will they make a fourth one? I don't know. Man, one can hope. Bring yeah. on Liza. But they bring she's still alive. They, they bring they bring in Liza Minnelli, and she. Uh, reestablishes dinosaurs on the planet of the Unforgiven in the third song. Oh, wow. So I'm like, well, what happens there? It's wild. Is there a cameo appearance by Dominic Toretto at the end? I don't know. Oh, maybe. wow. Is he? Maybe. I'm about to find out. Know. He likes cars. James Hetfield likes cars. Mm. <laughs> Liza Minnelli has driven in cars. Man. It's honestly, it's all right yeah. there. <laughs> uh huh. Lightning McQueen is in it. You know, he is a car. <laughs> There's a Hot Wheels toy that makes a really surprising cameo. You know, it's pretty cool. Uh-huh. Lightning McQueen says it's racist. I'm like, okay, I. It was. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't we follow didn't that. Know. I don't follow we that stuff. No, we had no. We. Fake news. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to track five, which is "Wherever I May Roam," which is the fourth single released from this album. Uh, this song is about a drifter who's content to wander the earth, and it sounds like maybe this is about having. Mm. Uh, a love for being on tour yeah. and roaming the earth and you know playing for people and everything um, and it features unusual instrumentation for Metallica including a gong a sitar sounding guitar effect and an overdubbed 12 string bass to help emphasize notes in the intro um, what do you think about this song so this is where after the singles that I knew and like a few songs in the beginning that I was you know back and forth on or whatever uh, my note was like it's okay it has a good guitar hook I, I thought I knew this one too but it, the rest of the song didn't sound familiar to me um, but then basically from here until the next like single that they released they all just sounded sort of sounded the same to me like it was just kind of like okay I didn't have like a lot of thoughts about the next like three songs I guess mm-hmm. um but it was it's okay like i'm not a wanderer i'm not um a vagabond so i didn't Mm -hmm. connect a lot with it i've never been on tour you know so maybe that's it um okay but yeah it wasn't yeah it wasn't my favorite for this okay yeah fair enough Um, tell me how i'm wrong I take that. I, I don't have a whole lot of extra stuff to say about this one either. <laughs> like, this is one that, um, I, again, I hear on the radio from time to time. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not going to catch my ear or turn my head as much as gotcha. yeah. uh, some of the other songs on here. Um, let's move on to number six, which is Don't Tread on Me. Um, I didn't realize this until I was going through and researching it, but, like, the guitar lead in the intro is the melody to America from West Side Story. Oh, wow. And I, I saw this, like, confirmed by, like, two different places. Wow. Both of them on the internet, so you can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. true. It's true. Hmm. Yeah. I, I uh, have to listen to that. Yeah. I wasn't going to risk watching a musical I was going to say, research. do you know what that song sounds like? I'm, <laughs> I am willing to parrot back a lie that I read from the internet, though, on this of podcast. Course, of course. Yeah. I don't really yeah. remember America. I can't I can't sing America in my head. I know other songs from West Side Story, but I'd, I'd have to compare the two or, or, like, see. I'm sure there's a YouTube, like, video for that, too. 
mm-hmm. for the, between the two of them. That's uh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, so, listener, uh, just go do that. Just, just go. Yeah, go we're going to put that in there. Uh, yeah, no, fuck that. This is this is Don't Tread on Me? Don't Tread on Me. Yeah, my only note for that, I, I wasn't a big fan of this one. It felt like it just kept chugging along, doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's sometimes with, like, I, I've talked about this a little bit with you before, like, with metal or, or hard rock and stuff, where I, I just don't get a whole lot out of it. Um, yeah. And there's not, like... Like I, I understand when you've talked about it, and especially that um, was it Dead to Me, that that show on Netflix, right? Yeah, that, with uh, Christina Applegate. Uh, yes, I almost said Aguilera, but yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like the way she talked about it and helping her process emotions. Like I get that. It just doesn't. That doesn't like necessarily. It's not what I hear whenever I hear these songs. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I have other songs that I listen to that I like. The lyrics are what process emotions for me and stuff, and then the music is kind of what tickles my backbone to get me there right but um so this one to me just sounded like i was just like i didn't get much from it i guess you know yeah yeah um for for this like the the term don't tread on me is like kind of like the term don't uh stand your ground like Mm. i i understand like the sentiment uh maybe by the original people who like said the phrase or whatever Mm. but like i feel like some some dickheads and some heads have really like corrupted that phrase for me yeah. you know where i'm just not like comfortable with it um Same. so like i don't know like uh uh Hetfield, uh referred to this as just one of those don't fuck with us songs and further stated that this song is a reaction to the anti-establishment tone of the previous album injustice for all mm-hmm. um okay cool but also like i don't know i don't need Dudes in tanks, you know, <laughs> blasting the song and being like, Morocco, you know, like, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, you know, that was just kind of a bad look to me. I but figure at the time they released it, it wasn't like that. I feel like that's especially the Don't Tread on Me and even the snake, yeah. the curled up snake from that flag, the Don't Tread on the Me flag. The Gatson flag, yeah. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's on there. That's like the cover of their album, right? Um, right, yeah. So they, they definitely had something there, but I'm like, I don't know that it had the same, uh, I don't know that the, the connotations were twisted like they are now, and I definitely associate mm-hmm. it with people that I don't want to associate with. Yeah, And so, yeah, this song, I was kind of also like, oh, let's just move on. <laughs> if, if the sentiment for those people were like, don't tread on me, as in, like, us, you know, mm. but it's like, don't tread on us, snowflakes. Right. Like, don't tell us what to do, but also, if you're a woman, I'm certainly going to tell you what to do with your, <laughs> with your body. And also transgenders guess what i'm gonna tell you where you have to use the bathroom right you know it's like and if you're immigrants get the fuck out of my country exactly yeah yeah, yeah. it's like it's it's all or none yeah fella like you can't yeah this is kid rock's favorite song actually more than likely i'm surprised he didn't fucking sample this bullshit (laughs) yeah um in an april 2001 interview with playboy james hetfield stated that there were some metallica songs he doesn't like and this one in particular states uh he doesn't like it musically so interesting i feel like you've got some connection there so whenever you run into him next yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. whenever you run into him next time just be like hey i also don't like tote dread on me no context (laughs) no context for this poor man he's like i'm I'm like 60. I'm trying to make some fucking music right. here, dude. What I'm if hanging I, out with my family. What, what if did it was you? like, someone finally said it. Someone yeah. finally said it, you know? <laughs> Instead of being upset, he, yeah. like a tear of joy just streams down his face. Like, and he like yeah. clenches his fist. He's like, yes, somebody gets it. I know. This guy gets He's it. Like, I know, man. I know. He's like, <laughs> and then you go, also hamburgers and bullshit. He's like, he fucking gets it. This fucking guy. What if he this also thought that? A, wow. Yeah. This whole time I never knew. Damn. That's, 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 he looks uh, like canon. 
he looks like a burger eater, but honestly, yeah. you do too. So mm-hmm. like, it, it could be, you know, you got you guys are mm-hmm. like day walkers. You walk amongst <laughs> us, you know. We don't know. <laughs> there goes Steven, burger walker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say though, the other day I got something from Whataburger, Whataburger here, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I get chicken strips there, and I love them. But Amanda got a burger. And it actually smelled good to me. I don't remember if I've mentioned this recently to you, but lately burgers have smelled appealing, you know? Wow. Um, and really? I haven't even to bite one in a while, but I've been intrigued by that concept. Uh, much like coffee has some sort of appeal to me now that it never did. Okay. Even though I don't drink it, yeah. like the smell of it has been more appealing to me. Maybe it's like mm-hmm. I'm getting older, you know, I'm finally getting to that age where I'm going to accept the taste of coffee and burgers. Mm-hmm. Probably not. At the same time, though, like, yeah, I take my burgers and like I take my coffee (laughs) with in them sugar and cream. (laughs) (laughs) You you come home with Starbucks for uh, your wife, Amanda, and you're like, I got myself a little something as well. And she like opens it up. She drinks hers. Like, oh, this is good. What'd you get? You're like this. You like take the lid off. It's just like a a burger patty cut in half floating. Oh, (laughs) my favorite. Mm. She'd be like, Yum. you're a pod person. I do not trust you. You're not my husband. That's <laughs> yeah. how I'm going to get murdered. And yeah. I'm going to bleed green blood. I would have been an alien, you know, replaced, man. Worth it, you know, Worth for it. the burger coffee. Uh, burger coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yum. Uh, the most interesting fact about Don't Tread on Me is this Canadian fact, as a matter of fact. Oh. Uh, in, in 2019, while walking her dog in Duncan, British Columbia, Canada, for those who don't mm-hmm. know, because that was that was me. I don't I didn't I didn't know there's a Dunkin Canada. It sounds like like Dunkin Donuts yeah. in Canada or like like British Columbia. Like what? Uh, but this lady named D. Gallant uh, noticed a cougar was approaching oh, them. Shit. Um, and this is when she was walking her dog uh, after yelling didn't work to make the cougar go away. She played Don't Tread on Me oh. on her cell phone because it was the loudest song she had on her phone. <laughs> and that caused the cougar to leave. Uh, av- like the week later, James Hetfield called her and uh they chit chatted a little bit over it. So I thought that was fun. Yeah, that is fun. I like, yeah, I like to think of her too being like, ah, what's the loudest song? Not Barbie mm-hmm. Girl. Nope. Keep mm-hmm. moving. Keep moving. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tread on me. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's new Pussycat? Save it for what, later. What if, what if she was like, here we go. She hits it as like in her Sandman. It's like ding, 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 ding. Yes. It's like, oh, fuck. Wait for That's it. right. I got to wait to get there. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. I right, skip forward, give but this t- is my favorite give part. Give me a chance. Fuck yeah. it. Uh, uh, track six. There it is. Um, well, let's move on to track seven called Through the Never, uh, which is a song that's a reflection on the universe and mankind's place within it, in particular, thinking about the unknown and seeking knowledge. This song title was also the uh, the title that was used for Metallica's 2013 concert film Metallica Through the Never oh. starring Dane DeHaan uh, and uh, yeah wait so there's a what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you heard me right Dane DeHaan was an actor in this 2013 Metallica concert film I heard about one of them when I was reading it that might have been the one that I didn't realize I thought they only had like concert films like they're just performing and they filmed it they put it out there right but then there was one that they said it was like against the backdrop of a thriller is that this one i think it's this one yeah i've not seen it but i as i was going through and researching how to spell the han i was like well i guess i'll read about this movie a little bit and i I read the end of the plot i was like oh so this like there's some type of story that takes place at a metallica concert and this kid goes on like a journey or whatever um 
but gets yeah. superpowers. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Becomes a version of a green goblin that nobody asked for Ugh. or likes. That was cool. I saw a picture of that the other day. I had totally forgotten he played the green goblin ever. <laughs> it's like if you gave a booger acid <laughs> and a glider. That's what he looks like. No disrespect. No disrespect. Yeah. That's just Two like boogers. that's just what you look like, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, James Hatfield, hey, I see you over there. Don't tread on me, sucks. Dane DeHaan, also, you look like a booger on acid. And a glider. Yeah, you got it. But, like, it's weird. Yeah. You need to tone it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Dane DeHaan. Okay. I didn't have uh, a lot of note on this. I said it was a little bit better than the one before it, but I didn't love it. Like, it wasn't much to to write home about for me. Yeah. Uh, There's a little, like, uh... Uh, uh, like gallopy breakdown toward the end of the song that I like, but I'm not like super m- familiar with it like I am mm-hmm. some of the other tracks on here. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's that one. Let's move on to song number eight, the third single from the Black Album, which is Nothing Else Matters. And uh, this song has the most interpretations mm. or reinterpretations on the Blacklist with 12. So this song it was a, a massive, massive hit. Like, and this is one of these songs that was written by James Hetfield about, um, he was like bummed out from being away from home and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was meant to be just for him, something for him to play in his room to make himself feel better mm-hmm. as he's out on tour and everything. It was never meant to be a song used for Metallica at all. Interesting. But um, uh, Lars and Bob Rock heard it and they were like, no, we have to use this. We have to develop this into a full-fledged song. And it was, and now it's like widely acclaimed yeah, by a lot of people. Crazy. Um, in that concert uh, movie I was watching, uh, A Year in the, the Half. Good Lord. A Year in that The Half? Why do we keep saying that? <laughs> what do I do this? What do I do this? A Year and a Half in the Life of Metallica. Mm-hmm. Um, when it has uh, footage of people lined up in, um, uh, like, waiting to get inside a venue, waiting to see Metallica or whatever, they've got people that are uh, there saying, like, their favorite Metallica songs or whatever. And. There were a lot of women who said their favorite song was Nothing Else Matters. So this like really like hit hard with the female contingent of their audience. So I don't know if it's just because it's softer or if it's just like more emotional, if there's something more uh, uh, bluesy about mm. the, the whole feel of it. And that's like my favorite version of Metallica, I think. As much as I like thrash metal and by other bands and whatnot, and I do like some thrash metal Metallica songs, but I think they really hit hardest when there's some like blues elements from Mm. uh that get brought into the song whether it's vocally or musically or even like with uh guitar solos or whatever i think that's like a core element to a signature metallica song for me yeah that's so interesting that the the fans that uh, it's so weird to me too i guess that this is like their fifth album and that this is the the transition between different styles and stuff and that some Mm -hmm. people thought they were selling out and to me this is what metallica sounds like like right yeah exactly i knew some of the songs you mentioned from before this album but when i think about them if i were to think about them and like mention to someone these are the songs like the singles off this one the one i probably remember most and it is those like slower more epic um and and bluesy like you said kind of kind of riffs mm-hmm. and stuff so um that is what makes them so special in my eyes you know yeah right <laughs> yeah i know different fans um, man. so this is one of the few metallica songs with a guitar solo by james hetfield instead of kirk hammett mm. and i thought this was interesting like hammett isn't on the studio recording at all like he, he wasn't part of that mm. that process it, like all the guitars uh were by james hetfield 
and Kirk Hammett didn't learn to play the song until they were well into the tour for the album. <laughs> when it was like released, and they were like, oh, we had to start playing the song live. So he's like, oh, I got to figure out how to play this so I can play like the intro to the song or whatever. Kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, so it was like way later down the road. So it was probably like a year and a half into this album existing in the world before it was ever an, something that like came up for him like, oh, we got to start fucking playing this thing which is weird because you don't think about that for bands you just assume that everybody is like all in on every song mm-hmm. on every track or i don't know but if it's not something you're going to play often because they've got other hits from previous albums they are incorporating into the set list at that point then yeah why even stress about it yeah you know well and it's so weird to me uh how all of this is produced and stuff and how they talked about how they had all the band together and like uh, they used to just record separately in like different locations and stuff like there are parts to it mm-hmm. and as things get produced like there's so much of that process that i don't know but when i have seen documentaries about it or whatever or you read about it and it's like oh it's so interesting how they they piece things together but then later on they have to figure out how to do those live like some mm-hmm. of those things are not really doable live you know like that you can't sing you can't have two james hetfield singing next to each other on stage but on the album he sounds like he is there right you know like they yeah they can do so much more to manipulate that but then live you have to do whatever and even a weird way i know this is kind of stupid but the music that you and i used to create even that kind of like opened my eyes a little bit to things where i was like there were things that i was like well how are we going to do this live if we ever were to do this live and you and i made like live versions of songs where things were incorporated that we were doing you know, if we play them together in our in my house or whatever, we were like right. playing them. But then like, I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I can't play these two piano parts at the same time. And mm-hmm. so what do you do? And then it's like, well, you need to have another band member or it's going to be recorded and played in some other way. And you have to figure that out. And it's so interesting to me that literally this guitar player wasn't even on that song. But right, then live, yeah. he's got to figure that out. And like, and mm-hmm. how they still make it sound good and work for the fans and stuff. That's a, it's just all mm-hmm. cool. Uh, there's so much more to that process of music that I just don't know as well as movies and stuff. And, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's super interesting. The more I learn about it, mm-hmm. um, uh, Miley Cyrus actually performed the song live during her set in Glastonbury in 2019, and then later recorded a version of the song with Elton John, cellist Yo Yo Ma, drummer Chad <laughs> Smith from Red Hot Chili Peppers, and current Metallica bassist uh, Robert Trujillo. And um, that's actually on the blacklist yeah. as well. Have you heard this version? I only heard a little bit of hers. I was so confused by the people involved. Mm-hmm. It just kept going, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, was this at the Grammys or something weird that I, like, they got all these people on stage somehow, and, yeah. like, they released the song? I didn't know what was happening. So, for that, like, uh, her playing this live was just like, I guess she was going through some, like, personal stuff in her life, and uh, people didn't know about it at the time, but it was, like, her kind of, like, venting mm. that, and that's what that song meant to her. And then she was asked to re-record it by Lars for mm. the Metallica Blacklist oh, okay. that was coming up. And um, the producer that she was working with also knows Elton John hmm. and he loves Miley Cyrus as well. So he's like, well, I bet we get him on there. Crazy. And then I'm uh, doing, uh, I'm producing an album for Ozzy Osbourne and Chad Smith is doing the drums <laughs> for it and Robert Trujillo is playing bass so we'll get them on, on it. I don't know where Yo-Yo Ma comes yeah, into right. the equation but uh, he does and he's there. But I was really really fucking impressed with this version oh, right on. Okay. of this song. Like, I would encourage you especially to go listen yeah, to right it. On. Um, you said you haven't, right? I ha- no, I, I listened to. Uh, I was one. I was just kind of skipping through, and I, I heard. Okay, I actually don't mind Miley. I like some of her songs a lot, actually. Yeah, um, but I, I, 
this one i was like there's so many people involved i was confused i was just skipping through kind of listening briefly to every song <laughs> and i heard her sing like a little bit of it but i didn't give the whole song a shot so i'm really curious now so i think like when she starts singing uh vocally on this song it's kind of just like okay like it's in that lower register or mm-hmm. whatever but when she like gets further into the song and she opens up her vocals right a little on. bit more and she uh changes some of the notes a little bit that's mm-hmm. it like really comes alive there yeah, i was yeah, cool. really super fucking impressed with it i was yeah, I thought right it was on, fucking cool yeah i was that. all in and i don't like all of her songs i like some of them but like mm-hmm. she she's definitely like a good singer yeah she um, surprises me at some of the stuff i actually really like from hers but it's i think it's it's yeah i was gonna say i think it's fair to say she came through the song like a wrecking ball steve when she did it <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to bring up because I every time I think about it, I'm like, you can run to it, you can cry to it, which is mm-hmm. <laughs> you can laugh to it, you can do anything to mm-hmm. it, which is uh, mm-hmm. from the night before. And I always think that I, I anytime that song comes on, I fucking listen to Wrecking Ball, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a good song. I don't it's care what people song. say. And the video is fucking great. Hey, James Hetfield, <laughs> yeah. don't try on me sucks, but Wrecking Ball, you heard this shit? <laughs> I want to hear him do Wrecking Ball. <laughs> that's what they need to do. Yeah. You know, switch it up. <laughs> I came in like a wrecking ball. Yeah, 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 wrecking ball. All right, so let's do track nine of Wolfen Man. Uh, don't have a whole lot of uh, anything to say about this, uh, but I was I was intrigued. Like I don't look at song meanings or anything in general, uh, but especially like albums i don't listen to regularly mm-hmm. so when i came across the song title of wolf and man i was like what is this song even about like what what could it be about so this song follows the perspective of a human shape-shifting into a wolf during a full moon <laughs> this song about a dang werewolf it's about a wolf a wolf is about a wolf Man, that was amazing. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, shocked me to my core. You're telling me like, a man. lot of things in this, actually, that I was like, I would not have been able to tell you this song was about this. Mm-hmm. Like, almost every song you've said that. Like, this song is about this. I'm like, really? So, when I was, like, looking through this track, I was like, what is this about? I'm fucking a werewolf or whatever. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, this song is, <laughs> this song about, is about a werewolf. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, I was right. Okay. Well, fuck. Okay. Huh. You feel good about How do I make this? How do I make this funny with the podcast? Oh, mm. I'll fucking wing it, make it bad. Um, but I was like, it. oh yeah, they would just like do this. This was like, they they didn't have the eye of Sauron look of a massive audience like they do now mm. upon them at the time. You know, they were just like, I'll write a song about this or whatever. Like, um, uh, about werewolves. It's, 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 you, you know, if you got a if you got a werewolf in your mind, you got to get that werewolf out. Yep. You got to <laughs> through trepanation get that werewolf out that hole in your head. Oh yeah, yeah. as if you were drilling a blowhole in there, and you're like, Moby Dick, is that you? It better not be. Oh, is it me? Is it my reflection? I'm James <laughs> Hetfield. I'm very white. So, fuck <laughs> that werewolf right out my head and put it into a song. Put it right there. Mm-hmm. And maybe, yep. maybe people will know. Maybe people won't. Maybe people will just How? write a note like, "Eh, wasn't for me." No, not my favorite. That's oh. what I put. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I think that's also what you put for the review of our podcast as well. Yeah, like one star. One star. Not my favorite. Eh, not for me. <laughs> um, what if you go back and kind of like you were doing for teeth and rescoring that essentially? Mm. What if you do an American Werewolf in London? But on the shape-shifting scene, you just play the song instead. 
I, w- I would really wonder what that would sound like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that it syncs up like perfectly. Cool maybe it's like mm-hmm. Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz or whatever. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's not yeah. going to be an American World from London. Maybe it's an American World from Paris. Maybe that, you know what? Maybe that would maybe that would actually make it watchable. Honestly, honestly it could be because <laughs> that that movie came out after this album yeah, was out, it was right? Inspired by this. And I feel like it's maybe meat-heady enough to where somebody's like, "Yeah, man. Hey, yeah, you right. think up a wolf of man to this werewolf scene, dude. You not even gonna fucking believe this shit, man. <laughs> Kid Rock asked for an early cut of this. What? He said he was gonna sample it, but I don't know. We'll see. He's kind of gross looking. <laughs> He's gross. Um, let's talk about track ten, "The God That Failed." Uh, the theme of the song is faith and human reliance on it, with lyrical inspiration coming from uh, surrounding Hetfield's mother's death. Mm. Uh, and like I said before, she was a uh, follower of Christian Science and relied on God to heal her instead of seeking medical attention. Uh, do you have anything to say about this song? Uh, just a little. I, I liked the beginning and mm-hmm. some of the guitar licks, but then by the by as it went along, whatever, it was just okay. I also like the title. I mean, obviously, you and I are. Uh, you yep. know, big atheist and stuff. And so I was like, yeah, what, what do you do to fail? <laughs> <And> then I, <laughs> but then I didn't get much from the lyrics for, for me. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I read that too, a little bit about that. It was like his, his mom, not, not believing in the actual science and believing in Christian science, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. um, so yeah, but I didn't get a whole lot from the song personally. Do you think there are Christian science experiments? Like instead of making a volcano, you're just like trying to make a capital T instead of a lowercase T on everything. You're like, oh, this doesn't work. Structurally, it doesn't hold like a Nearly person. As much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's uh-huh. interesting. Yeah, I've never thought about the different structural weights of a capital T versus a lowercase T, you know? You got to give them a headrest, you know? Like, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to staple them to that tree. Oh, you got to make sure they're comfortable. Yeah, I'm sure that he would. Yeah, they asked about that. Make sure yeah. he's good. Do you need a warm towel? Anything? You good? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. You know what? Uh, how about this? By a round of applause, how comfortable are you? Oh. Oh. You, oh. oh okay. Oh. My bad. Guess what? I don't like holier than thou. I don't know what to tell you. Um, okay. Uh, anything else on, on that one? Nah, the guy that me. failed? Cool. Let's move on to track 11, My Friend of Misery. This is the longest song on the album at 6 minutes, 49 seconds. You know, just short ones here. They're like, ugh, 10-minute songs. We got to cut this down a little bit, but just a little bit, just a smidge off the top. Uh, This song uh, has a co-writing credit, and it's the only one on this album with a co-writing credit from bassist Jason Newstead, and it was originally meant to be an instrumental, so Ah, this is that song you were talking about earlier. That's interesting. And um, the lyrics are about someone wondering, uh, yeah, wondering in self-pity. Wondering? Why did I put wondering? Wallowing? (laughs) Wallowing? Uh, Wallowing. Wallowing. There we go. Yeah. Samsonite. (laughs) All the way off. Wallowing itself, pity, and having a very pessimistic view of the world. So, essentially me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I remember liking the song. Uh, I, speaking of Jason Newstead, he's the, like I said, the bass player. Uh, played bass on this whole damn thing. He was actually, uh, he's the second bass player for Metallica. Mm. Uh, the original bass player, Cliff Burton, uh, died in a, a, a RV-like accident yeah, from like years before. So this is the second album that Jason Newstead was on. The first album, Injustice, Injustice for All, which is the previous album, mm-hmm. um, that was his first uh, recording with the band. And uh, do you know anything about that, that album? Do you no, know about the controversy that, no. around mm-hmm. it? 
So they, you know, they had him write all his parts and everything, but then when they got the final mix back and he heard it and everything was already locked, there's nothing they could do yeah. to go back and change it. His bass was mixed so low in it that you could not hear any low end mm. from this. So it sounds very like tinny hmm. as far as like a recording goes. Weird. And they have the tracks and they could go in and fix them. They just don't. Yeah. Like the fans have been wanting this. How interesting. Yeah, that they can still the, do that. Yeah. The the producer and the engineer that worked on the record, they were like, the stuff you wrote is legitimately fucking awesome. Huh. You just can't hear it. And the the whole thing behind that is like Lars and James are mm-hmm. saying that like well, he was just playing what the guitar was playing, but the way it was recorded, it was like muddying the sound, so we had to turn the bass low and all this stuff. They've also said that they're uh, from playing all these shows and everything, their their hearing uh, has been lost a little bit, so they couldn't quite hear things. Mm. And first thing they were gonna do is turn on the bass and turn everything else up, and da 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 da. I don't know. I I kind of just feel like they're yeah, mm. feel like they're just being a dick to this new guy, and they've since said like oh we we treated him poorly hmm. um, he eventually left the band like in 2002 to 2003 and they were pissed off at him for that but then they were like oh yeah no we were like addicted to him almost the entire time he was <laughs> in the band and he was there for us and he was like a solid fucking person he was always the first one at a venue wow. he was always the first one at practice he was always the last one to leave he we would be like in the car <laughs> leaving a venue he's still there signing autographs for fans and everything he's wearing metallica shirts on stage so he was like doing everything he could he was like 100 percent right. on board for everything Crazy. and they just like shit on him because he wasn't their old bass player who died tragically it's just like one of those weird unfortunate scenarios yeah, that's right sad because it's like he he died and then they're like we don't want anybody to replace him but we want to keep making music okay we're gonna get this guy but fuck that guy for taking yeah. his place you know <laughs> yeah. but it's like they're hurt yeah but yeah not, you know it should be taken on in him so at least they're they can exactly. reflect on that later um but yeah that's that was like when they like got a therapist and everything oh, yeah. for um uh oh, some kind left. of monster if you watch the documentary yeah, yeah. yeah. He, or whatever yeah yeah uh, interesting i i had put mm-hmm. on this one i'm I thought it was interesting you said this was going to be the the instrumental one because I put I kind of like this one at least parts mm-hmm. the guitar is subtle but I liked it um, mm-hmm. and uh, this was also a song though there were parts that kind of did something unexpected from what I thought was going to happen but I didn't always yeah. love it but um, I did that was one way that I did like the music on that one so I think I might have liked this more just as a, a music track you know instrumental yeah. track so and normally, like on all the previous Metallica albums, they had instrumental tracks, and so yeah. that's what this was written as. But and that's what they thought it was going to be. But I guess kind of toward the the end of the album making process, James was like, "Well, let me throw some lyrics on this bad boy." Yeah. I was like, "I gotta work my way up to writing about something other than crib death." I guess. <laughs> um, let me see what, what comes out for this well, one. You if, know, what if he was like, "There's too much bass in this. I'm gonna sing over it." Fuck yeah. it. <laughs> and they're like, "God damn Fuck. it." Hey, that song you wrote for us? Uh, I don't know how to tell you this, bud. Um, I took it over, man. I'm just going to be honest with you. Don't tread on me with your bass, okay? Uh, I'm taking that out of the equation. Uh, but no, like the the, the, the point I, I originally started to get to, but then I lost track of, is uh, I think the bass on this album sounds so fucking good. Mm. Like Bob Rock produced the shit out of this album, and in particular the bass. And especially when I was listening back to this, on, uh, with headphones, mm-hmm. I could pick out all the bass notes, and it's just like it flows really well. It backs up the guitar when it needs to. It does its own thing when it needs to, and it's just like, like when you think of a, perf- a perfect rhythm section in a uh, a band or 
any type of music you're listening to, you want something that's like solid and, and holding down the fort while the vocals or guitar or whatever other instrumentation is being the lead at that mm-hmm. point. And this does it in a spectacular way. Yeah, right so on. the fact that he has like a co-writing credit on one of the best-selling albums of all time even though they like treated him like shit, I feel like, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, at the time it was probably a big deal for him, uh, especially that he was going to get to perform and be heard on this whole album. Yeah. And has a writing credit on there as well. I think that's a, a, a nice feather in his cap. He seems like a generally overall nice man and uh, doesn't hold any grudges at this point with Metallica and has actually been out there like promoting mm-hmm. the reissue of the Black Album good, and yeah. the Metallica Blacklist and all that stuff. So I feel like they're in... in, in uh, a good place with their relationship, even though he's no longer in the band. I was wondering, yeah, where he might have gone on after that. Um, so I was just mm-hmm. briefly looking at his Wikipedia while you were talking to, to try to like yeah. follow that along. But I, mm-hmm. I, I also stopped because it said politics and environmentalism, and I was like, oh, interesting. Like, how's this guy? Like, we're talking nice about him right now, but we got to talk bad about him. And I uh-huh. saw something about. In December 2016, one month after Trump's election, I was like, oh, God damn it. But then it says he said he was just getting into a personal Twitter war with Trump. I'm like, oh, cool. So he's awesome. And he's a nice guy. Yeah. Just all around. That's cool. (laughs) He's like, Mexico's not going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for it. (laughs) You're like, wait, no, no, man, don't. I insist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's that's cool that he was like a part of that for a while. I am curious. Mm -hmm. uh to know a little bit more, I don't know that I'd watch a four-hour documentary, but because I'm not huge yeah. in this band and everything, but I am. I'm mm-hmm. glad you have all these facts because I'm curious about some of this info, this info. I would recommend if you want to see like a little bit of it, uh, the Metallica behind the music uh-huh. um, episode was fantastic. Right I, 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 I love that they showed. Yeah, on VH1. Yeah. yeah, I love that whole series back in the day. I didn't care who it was that they were talking about. It was just talking about like yeah, yeah, that people like made fun of or, or whomever. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh my god, I I love the whole fucking thing. It was so fascinating to hear like the business side of stuff mm. and and reasons why certain things happened or uh, people's like success and the failures and then rise back to the top or whatever. I'm so fascinated with that process. Yeah, right on. And, and all the behind-the-scenes shit. You're uh, like, but the Metallica one in, in particular is very good. Yeah, you're like, I get to learn about Metallica. I get to learn about Nelly Furtado. You know, just everybody that you remember mm-hmm. from It's back funny in the day. because uh, I, too, am like a bird. <laughs> I only fly away. I don't know where my soul is. Soul is. I don't know where my home is. Home is. I had no idea if you'd remember. That's amazing. Yes, of no, course. I didn't. You know, Look, you she's personally. a... She's a turntablist defender. Oh, okay. okay, I remember her back in the day. She was talking about how when she would go on tour, she would always bring a turntablist with her with her live band hmm. because she could just like sit there and watch them all day because it's the coolest instrument. I said, "Yes, Nelly Furtado, praise be, <laughs> Canadian woman. You are correct. It is the coolest instrument." That's pretty amazing that on the Metallica episode of our show, we get to also put in the notes that Nelly Furtado was talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in a great way. Uh, Furtado, Furtado, you know. <laughs> but when I when I type it in my my app, it uh, wants to auto credit to uh, Nelly Furry Furies do. So uh, oh, <laughs> too fast, too Furies do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like it. And that brings us to the final track on this trek, which is track twelve, "The Struggle Within." Uh, the narrator of the song is dealing with feelings of anxiety, anger, depression, or possibly something else. I don't know what that something else could be. Mm. It's literally. What I found on like Genius. There you go. Um, I was like, I guess I'll I put guess that in there. Right. I feel like I could just stop at depression, but like, it could be something else. I can't say it's not something else. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't definitively know. Uh, so yeah, 
I, uh, That's my only note for that song. What do you have? My only note. I thought I wrote notes for all of these. I, I looked back <laughs> when we were about to get here, and I was like, oh, man. My only note is those drums to start military style. But that's it. Because <laughs> like, it starts off with like a, oh yeah, you know, like a snare. It's just like a snare, like you know, marching kind of that, like, like a drum, drum roll. Yeah, like a drum mm-hmm. roll almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, this is cool, but I, I don't remember the rest of it to be honest. I, I don't yeah. think it like really stuck out to me that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this, or that, and then like for um, don't try it on me. There's, there's a lot of like. Uh, more patriotic stuff than they had on previous efforts, I think, mm. that are specific to this album, but it's not necessarily in the context of America so mm. much as it's just like, well, we haven't done this type of drum roll for an, an intro before. Like, why don't we try the right like, on, yeah. You know, experimentation or just trying new things or um, making a statement like Don't Try It On Me personal to us, the four people in the band, mm-hmm. as in being a metaphor for don't tell us what to do don't pigeonhole us for doing this one style of music versus don't tread on me the american sentiment of like don't tell me what to do but i will tell you what to do even if you're also american because it's not but i i, I know this guy that's stapled to a lowercase t and he's like he's like you got it right philip and i'm like yeah i do and then it's like but you don't because your name is percival and it begins with a p as well but it's not nope. the p is in philip which makes an f sound because it's there with an h now, it's like a pH balance is a separate thing that has to do with like water and stuff. And like, it, I just can't, I do not have time to get into it. It's not part of the Christian science that I know uh-huh. and love deeply. Yeah. But anyways, I was going to make a volcano, but it just looked like a giant bloody tit. So I, I basically, I need help with it. Can you help me? And this is like a Quora question online yeah <laughs> yeah all of that no punctuation yeah. yeah single space oh wow even your dogs agree oh they're like dogs, i wrote that yeah. review i wrote that <laughs> yeah. no one found this question helpful it's a question it's not supposed to be helpful i what? need help clearly no help me man what is bloody the tip question mark <laughs> what is the ph balance of a bloody mm-hmm. tit I need yeah. to know. <laughs> yeah. Man. Pills help. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so overall, album-wise, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, album you own wise, this yes. album. You, do you still own this album? I do, yeah. I uh, I haven't... I, I guess I own it on, like, Apple Music or whatever. Yeah. And that, like, I didn't didn't necessarily buy it, but, like, I have access to it or whatever yeah, to, yeah. to listen to it. I don't know that I'm going to go back and listen to every song of this album again, but there are some fucking bangers on here. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. Uh, you Can't Deny, The Unforgiven, Understand Man. Um, I like Sad But True. Mm-hmm. Um, you think it, that's uh, Sad But False. Um, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, hey, wait, and, there you go. You know, um... And then what was the other one? Uh, Nothing Else Matters mm-hmm. uh, is a, a big hit as well. Yeah, it's like their singles uh, were like really fucking great on this. Even mm-hmm. Sad But True, I yeah. can understand why that's a big hit. Um, I just didn't remember yeah. it and it wasn't like mm-hmm. that big to me right now. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, all the other ones for sure. Uh, I mean, they're huge songs, you know, like everybody knows mm-hmm. and still yeah. still played today, like everywhere. And that's awesome. Factually, like this album was so good. That when they made the terrible album Saint Anger in 2003, <laughs> also produced by Bob Brock, 
which features no guitar solos at oh, all. Crazy. One thing that they're known for. And then the musical structure is so weird. I think I heard that it was like they would record bits of music in Pro Tools and then like go write something else like later in the week and be like, well, here's what we wrote. Let's just tack that in or like onto the end of the thing we just wrote, even if it didn't make sense musically or huh. whatever. It like threw off the dynamics. Uh, that was bad. And then also the snare drum on the album is the loudest instrument on the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> and it's so fucking annoying to listen to. How interesting. That album, yeah. was, that album was so bad, but this album was so fucking good that they just like limited the amount of St. Anger songs they would play live. And they were just like, you guys want to hear The Unforgiven? One and two? Got it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they can like, ride this wave alone, and this is exactly. only one album among, amongst many, good and bad, or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Right, But it's, yeah. like, so epic. Uh, mm-hmm. and, it, and it seemed, from what I was reading online, too, it seemed to have been at a time that other musicians recognized this as, you know, a uh, a really important album for, right. like, for music. And, like, it, it like, shifted mm-hmm. the tone of, like, where the industry was going almost in, in some ways and, like, what was acceptable and mm-hmm. them getting such mainstream success from it and everything kind of changed yeah. things for, like, metal and hard rock. And mm-hmm. um, it's definitely, like, a huge album for them. So I even though it's not my favorite stuff, um, it was interesting to hear back. And it was interesting to hear the cover songs. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm excited to go listen to that Miley Cyrus one. I never thought I would be excited to listen to a Miley Cyrus Metallica cover with Elton John and Yo-Yo Ma on it. But there you go. I think it would be fun if you played that song for Amanda and didn't tell be like, what do you, what yeah. do you think this is? <laughs> yeah. Who is this? Who I want you to name every world? person yeah, that's on right. this song and then tell me what the song I'm is. Blow her goddamn just, mind. I wonder if she would even know it's a cover. Right. A, Probably not. And then two, if she would know the players involved or whatever. I'm curious. I wish I would have asked her. I, I, um, your wife as well. I wonder how much they know of these songs because some of them are just so well known, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. Amanda might know, know might not know the titles of some of them, but she'd probably recognize their mm-hmm. songs if I played them. Like Inner Sandman, I'm sure she's heard a million times, and yeah, um, the Unforgiven and stuff as well, you know. And and then mm-hmm. um, Nothing Else Matters is such a big song. I feel like she must have heard it somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. My my wife would occasionally get like metallica and nirvana mixed up in her head wow. because like she, she was not like i know it sounds like wildly different to me but yeah. as someone who grew up like listening to pop and just like casually hearing like rock here mm-hmm. and there and especially since this album came out this exact same year as nevermind also a legendary yeah. like rock album changed um, the tide of the industry as well yeah yeah on both fronts yeah yeah it was like i could see how there'd be like some confusion the but when we listen to the song yeah, Metallica yeah, and Nirvana. Exa- yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right there, yeah. Same same font for the logo. <laughs> Both of them have a baby thrown in the water, yeah. you know? Um, but I asked her this morning when that song was on the radio, and I, I didn't have, like, the screen on to where it had the uh, the title up or whatever. Oh, yeah. It was like, do you know who this is? She was like, Metallica. I was like, hell yeah, brother. Oh, man, look at her go. <laughs> yeah, she's not a big fan of me calling her brother, but uh, <laughs> I did it anyway. Only in bed. <laughs> hey, you know what? What happens there? Yeah. <laughs> Turn into a dangle werewolf, you know what I'm saying? Brother. <laughs> yeah. A wolf and brother. You know hey, what I'm saying? Um, Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm glad you, uh, you're the one that suggested this album. Um, probably did. because of the anniversary, the 30th anniversary, right? Yeah, I thought it was a, a significant album, and uh, it was it's something that happened during the course of us doing the podcast. It was like, you know what? We might well pull the trigger on this. Yeah, totally. You know? 
yeah, big enough anniversary. Plus, there's like all this fanfare with the, the Metallica blacklist mm-hmm. and, you know, all of these resources to um, totally acknowledge the achievement for for this uh, type of um, uh, this massive of a like metal album yeah. or whatever. But this is like the likely the heaviest thing that I'll ever have you listen to. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting because um, it's something that you're so into and we're so like similar in other aspects, but our music mm-hmm. tastes are, are pretty different, but we can also, um, you know, respect and, and also like stuff that the other one shows the other one, even if it wouldn't be like yeah. something I would gravitate towards, or I would show you something that, you know, or make you listen to something that you wouldn't gravitate towards, but you might like it, or you might at least recognize it for that one listen or whatever. So it's been fun mm-hmm. to, to talk music with you, even though I, I feel like this episode went way better than I expected. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like in the past, you know, I've had a harder time talking about music than, than movies or even comics or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but I feel like, you know, we're, maybe we're kind of getting there a little bit. So I'm, I'm intrigued for the rest of the month as well as we go along with some other albums. Hell yeah. It only took five years. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> I'm sure this episode started out rough. Yeah, but, but it got you know, there. It's fine. You know, we had a lot of shit talk at the beginning, mm-hmm. literal shit talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here we are, not talking about shit, just, even a little just bit. Wolves. Yeah, just wolves. Not wolf shit. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-mm. Well, anything else for you? I don't think so, outside of uh, uh, us announcing the next album oh. for Noisy November. Week two. Oh, exciting. Week two. Yes. Do you want to announce this one? Sure. Um, so one of the ones I had recommended for this um, in general that I wanted to listen to, but as well, it has a uh, an anniversary coming up or this year, I guess, is the anniversary. So my favorite band. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time coming, but, you know, it's been a long uh-huh. road. But we got here, and it's been nice, and uh, it's been well listening to uh, the whole way. So uh, my favorite band in all the land is the Airborne Toxic Event. And a few years ago, you and I did um, their first album, which was a self-titled mm-hmm. album, um, which came out in 2008. I think we did that one for the anniversary, too. That was a 10-year thing, right? Did we do that in 2018? Was that the reason we did that? Uh, yeah, I don't remember either. I think it was around the time. I think it was like a, a 2008 <laughs> album or 2007, somewhere like there. I think we did okay. it like 10 years later, it. but their second album, their sophomore effort, um, all at once came out in 2011. So this is the 10 year anniversary of that one. And, um, that was a, that, the first album we listened to it from them. I, uh, I wasn't even as much of a fan of it. It took me years to get into all the songs in there. It's just one single in particular that I loved. The second album was when I really fell in love with them as a band. So I'm way more excited for you to listen okay. to this album. And it has a lot more songs that I really, truly love on it um, and lyrically mean a lot to me. So, uh, yeah, that'll be next week. And I'm really excited for you to listen to it and uh, for me to listen to it all the way through all over again. So interesting. OK, yeah. So I've I've not heard any of the second album. Um, I'm oh, actually cool. okay. trying to trying to go through here um i really like the first album when we mm-hmm. discussed that um let me see yeah because now i'm curious like did we cover that on the i think it anniversary? was the, the anniversary year but i remember it being like it was released in different places and it was it was it 2007 or 8 and what really counted as the date or whatever when we actually reviewed it but i think it was roughly there you know Stephen, uh, do you realize we have a an episode of the show, episode one thirty one, is titled "Too Moist for Comfort." <laughs> I would love to go look back at a lot of our titles. I'm sure I've forgotten. Definitely that one. Uh huh. Um, let's do you see. Feel things about it's gotta that be. Now? It's really gotta be here somewhere, right? Um, yeah, I don't remember. Damn. I don't remember what episode that was. We listened to them. We'll definitely have to look that up for next week so people can listen to it as a. It's a double feature, I suppose, but um, either way, you know, it's noisy November. We got a lot of stuff going on, different music this month. Th- so. This is true. Yeah, it's probably a better uh, version of um, 
uh, spending my time doing that. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, wait, wait, is this it? Is this it? Hold on. Hold, please. Hold, please. Okay. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, Stephen, episode 72, The Murder Context. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. That's, yes. a big, that's a big hit for us, right? Yeah, uh, December 4th, 2018. There you go. Uh, is when that came out. So, yes, 10 years later. Just barely, though. Yeah, we just got barely. the wire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that one that had a lot of listens, and I think it's because of the title that people are like, oh, man, mm-hmm. I love murder podcasts. I want to listen to this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what the fuck is happening? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was our attempt. Yeah. Was, yeah and it worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I like the second album even more. I think it's one of those things that uh, it's one of those bands that they really refined as their sophomore mm-hmm. effort came out. And everything I liked about the first one was like so much better in this one. Uh, it was mm-hmm. musically more exciting. Um, lyrically better just everything about it I, I think I like this one the most and and the title song all at once is one of my favorites over there so there's a lot of things about okay. this I'm, I'm excited to, to talk to you about oh yeah I'm looking forward to Hell it yeah, uh, especially now that we've recorded this podcast I can just erase all of this research from my phone <laughs> and my brain and this will all be like new information the next time I listen back to this right. episode it's just all gone at this point that's amazing um, so yes uh, all at once by the airborne toxic event for next episode's main topic and I'm sure we'll have some little piddly bullshit to discuss yeah. ahead of that as well as we always do um, but yeah Anything else for I you? Think that's it, man. I think this was a lot of fun. Uh, it was way better than I expected. I was really afraid from some Same. of my notes <laughs> um, going mm-hmm. through that. I was like, oh, I'm not going to have anything to say about this. But you right. had so much <laughs> else to talk about. Sure. You know, yeah. kinda, even if you didn't have a lot to say about, sorry, uh, individual songs or whatever, that it, it kind of you know worked out. And um, yeah, so I'm excited to keep this month going and, and get more music out there. So it should be a lot of fun. Same. Um, all right. Well, let me get my script up so I remember what's happening and I can say <laughs> some stuff. So as usual, you can contact us. All the info is in the show notes and email, social media stuff, all that. If you'd like to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app, we certainly appreciate that. Five stars is always appreciated. Uh, one star is never appreciated except for uh, when you're me. And um, so five stars on all your favorite apps. That'd be great. And um, yeah, come back next week. Listen to my favorite band, Airborne Toxic Event. If you've never heard them, definitely listen to it because they're amazing. And I want to get a lot more people to know who they are. You might have heard a single of theirs back in the day you never knew. And uh, it was on some TV show or something. And and now I can introduce you to this amazing band. So uh, looking forward to that. And until next time, I'm Steven. I'm Brent. And let's talk later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, brother. <laughs> now we are unforgiven. <laughs> so the more it went, the stupider it got, the more I laughed. <laughs> My, my throat is shredded at this <laughs> right. point. It's just fucking shredded. And he does that for a living. Crazy. Uh, for a living, all the time, yeah. for hours at a time. That's nuts balls. Mm -hmm. Record. Oh, man. Look at that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get it out. Yeah. Oh. How many? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! So mm. I've got uh, I've got a question for you. Um, my wife had sent me out to my car today when uh, we uh, she had a run earlier today, and she had, like put some stuff in my glove box, her like wallet and whatnot, and uh, she had me go fetch it from the car after we got home. And I was like, "Yeah, let me go grab that from the glove box." What? Mm -hmm. It finally hit me, <laughs> nearing forty years on this earth, where I was like, "Wait, why is this called the glove box?" That's, yeah. So, and so I looked it up, and it says the name is derived from a compartment's original purpose, which was to store driving gloves. It's like, hmm. oh, okay, so uh, yeah, like for like race car drivers or mm -hmm, you know whatever. Sure. Um, and further on the uh, the Google search, I found it says driving gloves were worn to keep your hands clean and were considered an essential piece of equipment in early vehicles. It was wow. essential. Yeah. They probably didn't have windshield wipers or windshields, <laughs> but <laughs> gotta have the gloves. Yeah, gotta have the gloves, gloves. To, to keep the bugs out of your face. You gotta you know, <laughs> yeah. wipe them off your face. <laughs> yeah. You know, it makes sense. They were the original windshield yeah. wipers, <laughs> exactly. essentially, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. facial wipers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, but I thought that was interesting yeah. because, That's like, wild. we don't. When was the last time you saw like a person in the wild wearing driving gloves? Oh, totally right. And two, like. We mainly just keep documents in there, so I feel like we should update it to being called like a doc box, which has Ooh, a nice rhyming scheme to box. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then it's like I don't I don't know if we can get people on board with this. Mm -hmm. But I feel I, like we should put all of our time, effort, and money into it. Oh, wait, this is what we're gonna focus on. This well, we have to pay SoundCloud, and then all other available money that, makes that we have in a given month is gonna go toward doc box technology, which is really just. Trying to update the it's, name. It's a marketing. It's a marketing ploy. Essentially, yeah. To get people, okay. There's hmm. zero benefit to it at all for us. <laughs> I I rarely have to even talk about my right. glove box, but it doesn't you know, bother you. No, honestly, no. Yeah. It's kind of a, a quaint naming convention. Sure. Um, and you know, knowing what it is now, like the next time I'm at a, I'm at a party, I'm like, hey, do you know why they call it a glove box? Where are you guys? Where are you guys going? Where's everyone going? Party's over. I'm shut out again. Oh man. Oh boy, I hate family reunions. Anyway, <laughs> I do like that. It's like you said, it was like considered an essential item, but it's like an item we no longer use, we no longer talk about that had a specific compartment built around the housing of it mm -hmm. yeah. that we still call it to this day. And you had to look it up to even know what the fuck it was talking about, right? Yeah. Like I've heard mm -hmm. of driving gloves. It makes sense that that's why it might have come from that but like we all just go along with it and i even feel i mean i like your doc box because it does you know have a good ring to it mm -hmm. but it's like mine is it has documents and then like old napkins and mm -hmm. like salt and pepper packets from like you know fast food places 
Wait, it's like where I store extra. Yeah, you don't do that? You have seasonings in there? Of course I have seasonings in my glove box, Brett. You got like Zatarans in there? Yeah, you know, like when I gave you like the little like paper packets of like salt and pepper, throw them mm-hmm. in for another time. That way, whenever I get like, uh, you know, if I go to McDonald's breakfast, get myself some some sort of egg thing. I like a lot of pepper on mm-hmm. it. If I'm on the road, I need that pepper. You know, and you I can eating? ask for it right then, but then I have some ready to go. Are you eating eggs on the road while driving? I constantly eat eggs on the road while driving. You don't do that? <laughs> much like they're, they're the gloves of the of of 2021, I feel. You know, it's like they help they're an essential item for to help me drive better. Don't you feel that way? Uh I don't I don't know, but maybe maybe that's something I can look into to enhance my driving record. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Help. Like yeah, one hand shave on some wheel, points off. Next time you get, get pulled over, they're like asking for your license and registration. You're like, well, I don't have any of that officially, but uh, can I offer you some half-used salt? <laughs> yeah, and yes, it's iodized. <laughs> you sound kind of fancy just to be able well, to offer that. I, you know, I feel like kind of fancy myself now. Mm-hmm. You hand it to them, like you throw a quick scarf, a silk scarf over your elbow, and then just put that over there with your fingertips. Might I offer you, officer, hmm. offer ma'am, you know? Is this a, is this a bribe, sir? Hmm. Th- this paper packet of, of used salt? I, I wouldn't call this a bribe. However, it does have a partner and a half-used pepper as well. Oh. So you do with that as you would like. I like that you're you're envisioning that I'm using that I have a bunch of half-used packets in there that I use again. Are you going full board and using the whole thing? No, no, no. But I'm saying that like you open one of those up, you don't keep it around. You know, you use what you use and then you throw it out. Whoa. Yeah. Are you saying you waste the salt? I'm saying that or it's, pepper. It's specifically built for such a purpose. <laughs> How am I supposed to keep that little thing folded up? Do I have a tiny chip clip? Yeah. A chip clip for ants? Uh-huh. Brent? Uh-huh. Yes. You would. Mm-hmm. Literally, yeah. I've done yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But Wait. no, I don't keep that stuff in my car anyway. But uh, no. we do have like a Ziploc bag, or we used to have a Ziploc bag with like those little random salt and pepper things from like mm-hmm. Sonic or whatever. And... uh honestly and you, and i would like aware. i would demand that we go through those first before using our actual like little like <laughs> shakers you know like we have them right here i can't you taste the difference in your house to use at your house uh-huh like your yeah. house is a restaurant mm-hmm. and a not uh, nice restaurant yeah and i've got yeah. a little marker board that says days without incident <laughs> and it has like whatever number on there and should someone try to not use the uh the the disposable version first uh-huh. I'm gonna have to erase that board. You know what I'm saying? Wow, I never thought mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. Um, and to be clear, I'm not talking about like punching my wife or anything. I'm just talking course. about like throwing a hissy fit slash tantrum, just yeah, yeah, making yeah. a real scene. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting like the neighbors a, a involved. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm always prepared to make a real poopy diaper. You <laughs> do not even want to fuck with me. <laughs> you don't even need to wear a diaper, but you wear one just because you need to be prepared to make it poopy. Yeah, or throwing a, a tantrum. I like to go to Costco, buy a bulk supply of adult diapers. Yep. And every time we go grocery shopping, just in case I need to throw a hissy fit, I will dump a full gallon of iced tea in there, put them on, slosh around a bit. Wow. Like all it takes is a little bit of a booty flex 
and it's just gonna start dripping. You know what I'm saying? Like, here we go. The song well, "Walk" was essentially about this scenario. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, man, I uh, I didn't realize all of this though. Yeah, it's very important. So all that from a glove box, basically. Mm-hmm. It all comes back to <laughs> butt stuff, really. Just like uh-huh. making shitty diapers, you know, covering yourself in uh in your crotch and iced tea. It all it all comes back to that, right? Man, it's just lovely, just a lovely mm-hmm. image in your head to oh, think about. Zombie, zombie, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is noisy November. <laughs> I imagine you making this poopy diaper and just staring your wife in the face and just mm-hmm. screaming at her, zombie. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh no, he's making it again. She has like no context for this. Right. She's like, I don't listen to anything but boy bands from the 90s. I don't know what this, wh- uh, why are you saying this I to me? I don't know what's going on. Are you trying, we, are you just, did you watch The Walking Dead on Netflix or something? Like what is, what is like, this going Do they come up, is it a musical now? Is it an mm-hmm. episode? What's going on? Why is this song? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense. I'm like, well, you know what you were doing when you said I do. So she's like, I don't think I did. I, uh, no, <laughs> none of this was not the house. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> this is one of those How things people don't been? warn you about marriage. Uh-uh. No, no. Hey, your husband will spite poop at you. Spite poop at you? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like spite poop is the perfect sink word. Spite Steven. poop. Excellent. Hell excellent. yeah, we got there. All right. So spite poop. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, like, have we used this as a uh, no, phrase right. before? And how, how on earth have we gotten here before that, right? Like, but, like, there's maybe. no way. There's no way we've done <laughs> spite poop before. I don't think you know? so. No. Like, I have spite pooped. In, in like, person. Yeah, in person. Yeah, yeah. You know. But not but, not for the show. And yeah. we're, you know, 221 episodes in. Who, who remembers all the episode, you know, sync mm-hmm. words you've done, so. You know, I was listening back to old episodes of the show, and... We would just like come Gross. prepared with a sync word. Yeah, I know. I we know. came prepared with sync words. Yeah, I like that. I think you brought that up before. Like I was thinking back to the uh, the Shazam episode mm-hmm. that we did, and we just synced with the word Shazam oh, how because boring. it was just like here's here's a sync word related to the thing. But like at a certain point, we were just like, oh no, I'm tired. I don't want to have to think about anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to where the sync word goes. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll just figure it out. So we'll make it worse on ourselves and spend 10 minutes yeah. trying to find one. Yeah. But it makes it more fun now. I feel like we're in a good cadence. It helps us like loosen up. Yeah. You it's know? like it's like old Hollywood. We'll figure it out in the edit. It's fine. Yeah. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, all spite that to poop. say, spite poop on three to sync. Excellent. All right. Spite poop. <laughs> one, two, three. Spite, spite poop. poop. <laughs> Sclurch. Oh, gross. Oh man! Ugh. Sorry, it's a Yuck. spike poop joint. Spike poop joint. <laughs> <laughs> like a spike knee joint. <laughs> oh boy! I just I just got it as you said. I was like, holy shit! I can see it down on your face. Mm-hmm. That was great. Yeah. Good All times. Right. Good times. <laughs>